Welcome in to the IDP show. I'm your host today, Evan Ronda, filling in for Josh Raymer as he is out of town. And we are joined in the virtual show chat this time by Bobby. Bobby, how you doing today? Hi, Evan. Long time no see. We haven't recorded together since uh, our, our season previews. Has, has it been yeah. a while, huh? It has been, Evan. It's been too long, man. I miss your, I miss your face. Hmm. I hey, missed your face, too. The last time we were together was in person, right? In BG. It's true. Yeah. Dude, I was, I, I was listening back to that draft live stream literally mm-hmm. this past week. I was remembering how much fun we had. Um, we can reminisce about it a little sure. bit later because I have to introduce our wonderful new guest, Alex Caruso. Alex, how are you doing today, man? Oh, I'm doing so amazing. Now I get to talk about the greatest format in all of fantasy football with you guys and IDP. So excited mm-hmm. to be here. So excited for you to have me. And I cannot wait to talk about some of these players. I think I just blushed a little bit. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm so honored right now. Alex, before we... <laughs> I think you just need to turn on the AC and the so check there, Bob. That's it. That's it, Evan. Before we break down each of the NFC North and AFC North teams and some players on those teams... Alex, I'd love the listeners to get to know you a little bit. Can you go ahead and share what you do, where they can find you, and uh, why they should care? Because they should care. Mm-hmm. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Alex Caruso. The main thing that you get on my Twitter right now is a thread every single day about some fantasy football information that you should know. We've been doing you know, stats you need to know every day, players you need to know, hidden gems, everything under the sun. But you can also find me on TikTok if you want to see it in video form see my stupid face stare at a screen way too hard for way too long at Alex Russo NFL. But if you want to hear my voice on a podcast form, you can check out my own podcast at the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. Next three guests on my podcast, I think, are JJ Zachariasen, Dwayne McFarland of PFF, and I think Justin Boone of The Score. So we have some great guests coming up. If you don't want to listen to me, come to listen to them. But I appreciate you guys having me on the show today. Hey, I'm just going to put it out there because I'm a massive fan of JJ as well. He is the guy that has given me most of my inspiration for podcasting in, in general. When you have him on your podcast, and I guarantee I will be listening to that, make sure you pronounce it J.J. Zacharyson or he's going to be a little upset. Okay, Zacharyson. I was actually going to have to ask you. I was so afraid to ask him. <laughs> have him be like, Alex, shouldn't you know if I'm coming on your show? Like, <laughs> Zacharyson, okay. Amazing. And yeah, listeners, definitely check out that TikTok because he's got the face you definitely want to see. Just just a wonderful mm-hmm. looking, wonderful mm-hmm. looking face we got there. <laughs> so if you've made it this far in the podcast, I think you're ready for some actual IDP information. And here's the strategy for today. We're going to be breaking down the NFC North and AFC North with Alex in this section of the podcast. And we're going to alternate back and forth. We're going to get two players from every team, and we're going to be labeling them a stud a breakout, a sleeper, or a bust. And not that any of you really need the definitions for those, but studs are players with relatively high ADP that we believe warrant that ADP selection. Breakouts are players with a relatively low ADP that we believe are going to outproduce where they're being drafted. Busts are players with a relatively high ADP that we believe might not stack up against the other players in that area. And... Breakouts are players that we believe are going to outproduce the previously performed numbers or just, you know, be better than expectation. And so we're going to go ahead and start off with the NFC North Green Bay Packers. And so our first player with the Packers here is Edge Rashawn Gary. 
Now, those, those of you guys that have been around listening to IDP for a while, especially this show, you know how much we love some Rashawn Gary. But let's uh, give you an intro. Welcome back to the show, an intro of what he did last year. So in 2021, he had 47 total tackles, eight tackles for loss, 9.5 sacks, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, 28 quarterback hits, and he had an 89.8 defensive grade for a 70.1 run defense, 76.6 tackle, 90.1 pass rush, and a 53.9 coverage grade. Now, he had 65% of the snaps in 16 games for 21, sorry, 12.1 points per game in big three scoring. Now, Rashawn Gary was a highly touted edge player out of Michigan in the 2019 draft. He underwhelmed, to say the least, in his first two seasons at Green Bay. Struggles with injuries and stiff competition limited his opportunities before 2021, and some even threw around the B-word. That's bust for those of you guys that don't know the B-word. But a severe back injury to Zadarius Smith opened the door just a crack for Gary, and he forced it open himself. But don't think for a second that his number 18 finish is the ceiling for him. Smith has moved on to purplier pastures. Mm. Purplier pastures? Aaron, I know you created our prep doc for us, but I have to say... Some of your sayings are a little confusing <laughs> to me, so I just want to put that out there for the listeners that are wondering, why does Evan say purplier pastures? Don't ask why Evan says purplier pastures. Evan doesn't know why he says purplier pastures. But Gary will be looking forward to playing a full slate of games for the first time in his short career. If he's able to do that and increase his snap share to even 72 or 73%, then a top eight edge rush finish for him is well within the range of possibilities. And what do you think about that, Bob? Yeah, man, I love Gary. Um, second in pressures in the NFL in 2021 behind PFF Macri's favorite, Triple uh, X, Max Crosby. Um, he had sacks in eight games in 2021, which I like to see. A lot of these edge guys and, and even some of these interior guys, you know, they had quite a few sacks, but they only maybe had sacks in four or five games. They maybe had one game of two or three sacks. Um, but Gary kind of spread it out a lot. Um, across a lot of his games last year. Only missed one game last year. I love Rashawn Gary. You know, if you've listened to our podcast for a long time, you know that Adam touted Brian Burns pretty highly over the last couple of years. And as we get a little bit closer to our flag plants for 2022, Rashawn Gary is kind of tiptoeing his way into my brain about um, could we see like top six edge potential out of Rashawn Gary for 2022. Alex, what what do you think, man? I'm, I'm with you. I, I love Rashawn Gary. I think he's someone that I was not like, you know, super excited about after his first year, just because of how like much he fell on his face. But I think what he showed last year, like when you said, when he got the door open and he ran through it, I'm really excited to see where he kind of takes that to next level. I know a lot of the beat reporters and some of the team things I've been reading throughout this, throughout camp, you know, so far and just mini camp have said like, this guy is, this guy is just so explosive, so I'm really excited about his prospects for this year. That's awesome. I know in some of our best ball drafts, he has been going a little higher. He has a bit of a spendy price tag, but there's a reason that we believe he's a stud. It's because we believe that high ADP is justified. So if you're in the market for an edge rusher at that range, we believe he is worth the selection. Now, we also have a sleeper from the Green Bay Packers, Quay Walker, or Quack Walker, to some Packers fans out there. Now, 
In 2021, in college, he had 65 tackles, 5.5 tackles for loss, 1.5 sacks, three pass breakups, and one fumble recovery. Now, he was drafted 22nd overall in the first round, and he was the first linebacker taken in the entire draft by the Packers. Now, Walker might be a pawn in a monumental pissing contest between Packers GM Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers. Goody's penultimate move of taking a first-round linebacker before his peace day resistance of trading Devontae Adams away, or we could be completely full of it, and Walker was just the best player available at the time. In 2021, per Tom K, the Packers, quote, remained at the forefront of single linebacker packages. So it would be interesting to see how they deploy both Walker and newly signed Devondre Campbell at the same time. But Walker is an athletic freak. So keep an eye on the beat reporter's talk in training camp as he has the tools to be something special. Alex, I'm going to shoot this one to you first because I'm curious what you believe we can expect from Quay Walker here in 2022. Well, Quay Walker going into the draft was might have been my favorite linebacker. I, I think especially what he did in 2021 was just really, really impressive. And I think, again, like I'm someone that likes to watch like like linebacker highlights in general and watching his highlights, just the explosion that I think he came off the ball. Every time the ball was snapped was second to none, in my opinion, just how quickly his quick twitch instincts, I think to me were just so, so, so great. And I think especially going into this, you know, Packers defense where someone like Devondre Campbell was really great, you know, last year and he's a little bit older and he was slept on. Like imagine what someone as talented as Quay Walker could be. He got the first round draft capital. So I think there could be big things ahead this year. I love him as a sleeper pick. Bob, how about you? I love that. I love Quay Walker. You know, dear God, what was that Georgia defense last year? Kobe Dean, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall, Jordan Davis. Oh my gosh. Um, what a what a you know star, you know, stellar class there out of Georgia. Um, Quay Walker is kind of giving me some eerie like He's going to be better probably than Ernest Jones, but it's a similar situation, right? The Rams just brought in veteran. Who is it? Bobby Wagner. Evan knows. Me mm. and Evan are big Ernest Jones fans. Oh, yeah. But Ernest Jones showed out late in the season. You know, we've talked about it a bunch. We talked with Nate Tice on our pod a while back. Nate Tice talked about how good Ernest Jones played in the Super Bowl. Um, and it's going to be one of those situations exactly like you're saying, Alex. Um, Adam talked about it a couple podcasts back that the beat report out of minicamp is, oh my gosh, Quay Walker is going to change the way that the Packers play defense in 2022. I feel like it's going to be the same with Ernest Jones. And the Rams and the Packers are both pretty heavy one linebacker type sets, but could they be scheme busters? You know, could this be a whole new situation to where prototypical one LB type teams now have a way of rolling out an Ernest Jones or a Quay Walker? So even though his ADP and even though his outlook for 2022 as far as IDP points may be relatively low, um, I think in Dynasty right now for Quay Walker, he's a he's a pretty fantastic stash to me. I love it. I will say Quay Saves Christmas does not quite roll off the tongue mm. quite the same way. <laughs> but I do like the comparison here between two expected linebacker twos on their team on a team that tends to only run one main linebacker is it possible that we just see these guys 
earn a job and stay on the yeah. field simply because of how good they are. Because that's the whole argument behind only having one linebacker on the field is they tend to be a liability in coverage. They tend to not be as good at whatever it is that they're needed to do. But if they're good, then they're good and they stay on the field. That's the hope. So that's where the and optimism teams change, is. right? Yeah, teams change. Alex knows this from the offensive side of the ball. You bring in new wide receivers. You bring in new running backs via draft, free agency, whatever. Um, just because things happened in 2021 doesn't mean that that team is going to run out the same way in 21 or 22 or, um, you know, whatever the situation would be. So um, sometimes I do think that personnel changes the schemes that you run, whether it be offensively or defensively. Absolutely. Alex, I'm, I'm really excited to hear about the players that you have selected from the AFC North. Why don't you go ahead and choose a team and, and let's hop in with your first guy. Yeah, I want to start with Minka Fitzpatrick. Like, I, I love, like, I, I think especially, I want to start with him because of his story, you know what I mean? Especially coming from the Dolphins and not being that guy and then going to your Steelers, Evan, and finally starting to be a player that, that really broke out. And he was someone that I have always been excited about. But even last year, like, when he, he lined up, like, at deep snaps at 79% last year, which is the 77th most among all safeties, but still produced at like an 11.65 tackle efficiency, which is ninth among all safeties that played at least 20% of the defensive snaps. And when players like that, you know, are that efficient at deep safety, like where, you know, Fitzpatrick was super efficient. I think that suggests that like his tackle numbers could be even better this year. And maybe this year was a true outlier season and maybe we shouldn't bet on him again, but I'm someone that really likes the talent. So I've kind of gone on the borderline, you know, between that someone that I think that he's really good, but maybe he's someone that's a little bit slept on. I like to err towards the side that, you know, he's still young and he's only going to get better. So maybe last year he just made a big step, but there's also a chance that he could take a step back. But I think you guys would probably know better than I would. Bob, what do you think about that? Evan, you're the Pittsburgh guy. No, no, no. I want to hear you first. You want me? You want me? All right. Well, for starters, I love Minka. Minka is one of the few bright, shining lights in my life. And, you know, I wake up every morning and I look at the the picture of Minka that I have framed on my ceiling above my bed. No, not really. But big congrats to that guy for his new contract. Um, Well-deserved. I think there is a very crucial question that needs to be asked, which is, is Minka's tackle efficiency sustainable enough that he can produce in spite of his high deep snap percentage numbers? And the argument I would make is he will be able to continue to produce because that high efficiency tackle, that tackle rate, I would attribute that to the lack of talent elsewhere in the secondary for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, in true Pittsburgh Steelers fashion, they have let me down and not really addressed the secondary very much this offseason. So I have every reason to believe that he will continue to be one of the stalwarts of that secondary. And if he continues to make plays, continues to get to the ball first, I have every reason to believe that that tackle efficiency will maintain even in spite of that deep tackle or that deep snap percentage. Yeah, I think y'all are both spot on. His Where he lines up might not be that important for Minka. Because if you look and see, not to step on Alex's feet about the next guy he's going to talk about, but really Pittsburgh hasn't addressed anything defensively that's going to help him, you know? Um, Devin Bush has not been great. Um, this next guy is interesting, uh, because his ADP is relatively low, but his production is going to be nice this year, but he's not elite by, you know, uh, by any means, uh, the linebacker spot there for Philadelphia has just been kind of gross. And Minka has just been able to 
regardless of where he lines up on the field, has been able to produce for IDP. Um, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too much because I know John Macri is working on some pretty uh, interesting statistics as far as expected tackles versus what they actually uh, perform throughout the year. But just to hit, hit John up in his DMs about Minka and uh, his, his actual tackles versus his expected where he lined up on the field. Uh, Minka was really high up there with the likes of Derwin James and Jeremy Chin and wow. Jalen Thompson. Um, say what you want to about maybe Jalen Thompson, maybe not being the best safety in the league, but exactly like Alex is saying, um, it's hard not to look at Minka's stats and say, wow, I, I want this guy on my squad. I love it. Um, I'm curious to hear who you uh, picked for the other Steelers player to talk about because I actually haven't looked at this list, so let's hear it. Well, Bob kind of alluded to him a little bit, and it, it's Miles Jack. And I think Miles mm-hmm. Jack's in an interesting spot. I mean, we've seen him post, you know, triple-digit tackles in three out of the last four seasons, you know, that was on a team like Jacksonville where he was, you know, very favorable place to be in terms of racking up some numbers. And you know, we saw Joe Schobert do it for so many years. Shout out to Joe, who was also leaving the Steelers where Miles Jack comes in to replace him. But Devin Bush was not very good last year. I think that's pretty well documented. And, you know, Devin Bush insists that it was because he felt like a dog bit him in his knee. If, if I have that quote correct, and that was the thing that was really holding his knee back last year. So there's a potential that maybe Devin Bush, you know, had his, his dog knee, and that's the thing that was really holding him back, and he'll be great this year. But I'm not sure. But the biggest thing that I'm really curious about is who's going to wear the green dot. Because from what like other people have said about, you know, Miles Jack wearing the green dot, is that's normally, I feel like, a good thing for linebackers. They're always going to be on the field. They're wearing the green dot. But apparently Miles Jack has not been good when he's wearing it. And he has not been good at like aligning people, you know, on their defense and stuff like that. And he's been way better when he's off the ball and he can just do what he does best, which is stop the run and make tackles. So it sounds like it would be better if he's off the field, not off the field, but off of the green dot. But how much is that going to affect his snaps? So I think that he's a sleeper for this reason of that. He has a lot of big potential if they get him on the field constantly and they let him do exactly what he needs to do. But it sounds like if he wears the green dot, that could be a little bit more problematic. Evan. Could Miles Jack be the 2022 Denzel Perryman? Oh. In, I love this question because it perfectly summarizes what my linebacker drafting strategy is. Because the answer is yes, he could be. But also so many other linebackers could be because all mm-hmm. it really comes down to is having volume. And if Miles Jack secures a full-time role with the Pittsburgh Steelers, then yeah. Absolutely. That upside exists. And that's why I love late three down linebackers. I don't want to get too much into game theory here because that's a different podcast. But I think it is very important to understand that despite his low ADP, the fact is he can secure a three down role with the Steelers. It's going to be him or Devin Bush. One of those two guys is going to get it. And uh, sorry, I hate to break it to you. Devin Bush does not look like he's that good. Complain Mm -hmm. about your knee all you want, but you have to have been good to, you know, fall down to a lower level and I just don't really believe that he ever had it not to hate I couldn't do it but you know that's not my job so Miles Jack has been criticized by some and I don't necessarily think he's anywhere near elite like we discussed earlier but you don't need to be elite to be better than Devin Bush you just need to be better than Devin Bush then you'll get the volume and once you get the volume the tackles will certainly come your way yeah this is kind of one of those prototypical just kind of like plug the guy in your lineup 
just kind of turn your head and then look for the points at the end of the week. It might not be the sexiest play. It might not be like the coolest name. You're reading your squad. You're like, yeah, I got Miles Jack here. LB3. It's like, just, just, I've got player three here at LB3 and let's, let's move on. Um, but you're right on, Alex. Um, when he was the green dot, when he was the Mike, whatever you want to call him there in Jacksonville, he was not great until he moved off ball. Um, and they brought Schobert in and then Jack kind of had a little bit of a resurgence there. So, yeah, he's he's a he's a late guy that I don't mind throwing a dart at for sure. Awesome, I really love that. Let's jump into the Chicago Bears real quick here. Um, and our first guy listed is actually our first bust of the show. It's Robert Quinn. You might be asking, Robert Quinn, that guy was amazing last year. Why is he going to be a bust? Well, let's find out. So last season he had forty nine total tackles. That's seventeen tackles for loss. 18.5 sacks, remember that, four forced fumbles, and 22 quarterback hits. Now, we had a very nice 69.9 defense grade for a 52 run defense grade, a 59.9 tackle grade, a 79.7 pass rush grade, and a 74.0 coverage grade. Now, he got 77% of the snaps in 16 games with 17.1 points per game. Now, Quinn had a strong bounce back in 2021 after being massively ineffective in his first season in Chicago in 2020. However, don't expect more of the same. Quinn had a whopping 18.5 sacks converted from just 47 pressures on only 755 snaps last year. That's a conversion rate just shy of 40% from pressures to sacks, which is unsustainable. The next lowest pressure total from any player who got 18 or more sacks, TJ Watt, who got his 22.5 on 67, that's 33%. Quinn is soon to be 33 on what will be a bad Chicago team in 2022. If you had him last year, enjoy that, because you will not be getting close to that this year. What do you think, Bob? Is that a crazy take? It's not crazy. It's typical regression. You know, the stats aren't sticky. We're not expecting him to get another 18 sacks. I'm kind of buying the dip, though. Um, Khalil Mack's gone. I understand that. I do like Al-Kadeen Muhammad, who they brought in, I believe, from Jacksonville. Um, I do like the Nick Morrow addition to go with um, our our favorite there, whose name is eluding me. Come on now, Evan. Um Oh my gosh, the other LB. Evan, help me out. Roquan Smith. Good gosh, why did it take me so long to come up with that? And then uh, their secondary is maybe a little bit better. Um, Quinn is being slept, slept on a little bit just because he's being crapped on so much. He's not great, but I'll I'll take the old man. Yeah, I agree with that. He definitely has a chance for volume. I think it's relative to where expectation is. Alex, what would you think? Well, I think the main thing that I take away is that you talked about the efficiency. And, you know, when you talk about efficiency and a guy that's about to be 33 years old, usually two things that don't mix very well. Um, so for that reason, I think I'm a little bit off of him. And again, like I love like when, when players like Larry Fitzgerald still have great seasons like late in their careers. I love the story. I'm rooting for him. But again, efficiency and 33 years old. usually Easy, not- Alex. Hey, Easy. I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry. 35. I'm, a, I'm as efficient as everybody. You are. You are. <laughs> you get a different job than he does. You know, you're not trying to go after some of the most athletes. You're not going after Trent Brown, who's 400 pounds off sure. the edge, you know, week after week. So you are in your prime. You're, yeah. you're 
speaking great. You're talking great. You got a lot of great things. Robert Quinn, maybe not so much. I'm rooting for him. I hope it happens. I'm just out. Love that. That was really nice of you, Alex. We all know Bob's, you know, yeah, you know, a couple days away from that retirement home. So yeah, I'm reg- it's good I'm to regressing. give him some encouragement right before, yeah, right before he goes off the cliff. Uh, let's get to our next Chicago Bear over here now, Alex. I have a question for you. Do you like brisket? I do. You do, mm. Bob? Do you like brisket? Oh yeah, fatty nice. brisket. Mm. I love brisket, and like I say every time I bring this up, anyone who knows me knows I love brisket. I also love. Rookie safety, Shaquan Brisker. Mm-hmm. See? See? That was an amazing, amazing transition. I know this is why you guys follow us, because of amazing content like this. So mm-hmm. in 2021, Jaquan Brisket got 20, or sorry, 63 total tackles, six tackles for loss, five pass breakups, one fumble recovery, two interceptions. He was drafted 48th overall by the Chicago Bears. That was in the second round. It was mm-hmm. the fifth safety taken in the 2022 NFL draft. Now, for better or for worse, Brisker will initially be remembered for being the player that they got in the trade when they sent away Khalil Mack this offseason. As we said before, Chicago projects to be a bad team on both sides of the ball. But what usually happens on bad teams in lost seasons? Rookies get a ton of play. Coaches want to know what they have. And at 6'1", 220 pounds with 4'5 speed, what they could have will be a defensive anchor able to cover tight ends and receivers deep and still bang in the box with the running backs. We're not saying Brisker is going to blow the roof off at safety, but don't be surprised if he outscores one or two of those first-round guys in 2022. Alex, what do you think about this brisket take? Anything, you know, anytime there's a player in, in brisket, you know, like how how can you not, you know, be excited about it? Like it was the same way that, like I know he was never really IDP relevant, but like Corn Elder played. You know, mm. the Panthers, I think it was like guys like that that have great names you can't not root for. And then I think, like you said, everything you laid out, I think is great. I agree with everything. I don't really have much else to add. I, I love the pick. Yeah. I think that means that edge for the Vikings this year, Luigi Villain, is going to have a breakout season. Is that correct? Oh, okay. mm. At least 20 sacks, if not more. I love it. Bob, what do you think about that take? I like Brisker, man. Um, I didn't realize until I read it here, that he was a second-round pick, um, 48th overall. So that's some draft capital. You know, Chicago knows what they are. They, they know they needed help there in the secondary. Um, I like him, especially in these IDP drafts. He's super late. He's a late fourth, late fifth type of guy, um, just depending on how many offensive selections the rest of your league decides to take. Um, guys like Brisker continue to get pushed back. But I like him. I might like him as high as, like, the safety two in the rookie class outside of uh, Kyle Hamilton. Um, but yeah, man, in his standard ADP, I agree. He's going to play a ton this year. Mm, delicious. What a take. All right, let's go ahead and move on to your second team, Alex. Go ahead and tell me about your first player there. Yeah, my my second team is the Cleveland Browns, and the player I want to start with is a is an absolute stud in Miles Garrett. The biggest thing that sticks out to me is his 93.3 pass rush grade, You know, which is, I think, a very you know, indi- indicative me- sorry, metric of, of players and how they do. And, you know, over the past three seasons, that's higher than any other edge player. And again, he's always putting himself in a position to pick up big numbers, pick up sacks. Again, if anyone's ever, I know this isn't relevant to fantasy football, but if anyone's ever seen a picture of him with his shirt off or any picture mm. that he posts on Instagram, like I want to draft that guy in fantasy football. Like I don't, I don't feel like I can ever go wrong when I get someone like him. But more importantly, like I said, the pass rush grade, he's higher than anyone else in the NFL. 
He is always around the quarterback. He is like a dog sniffing out a treat in the backfield every time on Sundays, always getting it somehow, some way. He will find it. And again, I really like what this is going to look like. And I think that he's going to be on the field a lot now that Jacoby Brissett is probably going to be the QB for a portion of this year. So I'm loving Miles Garrett. He's a stud. Yeah. One of my favorite things about Miles Garrett is he's not going quite as high as I feel like he deserves to be. And I know that's, you know, it's a relative take, but he's still going high in the first round of most of these redraft drafts. But he legitimately deserves to be the top, if not like top three edge, I think, taken in this class, at least this year, I should say. And, you know, he may or may not be going in that range, depending on which draft you're in. But he absolutely merits that selection simply because of those shirtless pictures that you mentioned. And aside from IDP, when does uh, Garrett start murmuring a little bit about a new contract? You know, I don't know exactly where they're at in their contract with Garrett, but with, you know, the foreseeable spike in the cap over the next couple of years and with his production, I mean, these sacks that he's putting up year in and year out, you've got to think that, you know, TJ Watt getting paid, Aaron Donald getting paid, some of these defenders getting some big cash. Um, you've got to think that that's got to be something that's, uh, you know, Cleveland's starting to think about, even though, I don't know, maybe the Cleveland's broke. Who who knows the whole cap situation there with Cleveland? Uh, but I agree with that. Miles Garrett, elite. He's my DN1. There's not, not much else to talk about. What is a lot to talk about is Alex Next Guy on here, um, who's pretty polarizing. There's a lot of guys who like him, a lot of guys who don't. Alex, let me hear about him. There's there's people that don't like JOK for the Browns. Like that that is oh great. millions. Well, okay, I get that. <laughs> millions. There, I know there's a lot of people that don't like him, but I'm someone that is a fan of him. I mean, he projects to be an every down linebacker on a defense that is going to be on the field a lot, assuming that you know Deshaun Watson is suspended for this year and that they're going to be on the field a lot of snaps. Because I could see this playing out. Dare I say, similar to. Something like, I know it's a different defense, but something like Seattle last year where Jordan Brooks and, and Bobby Wagner were both so high because they were playing a, like, a higher amount of snaps than like anybody in the NFL last year. I could see that happening for this Browns defense this year and how bad their offense is going to be. I think their defense is going to be on the field a lot. And if he's getting that extra, you know, every down roll, you know, again, when he was playing, you know, 40 snaps and five out of the last seven games, he played pretty well. I know he didn't have some of the best games, but he did average 7.4 tackles a game over his last five starts, which is 17th in the NFL. I know the biggest thing that people hate about him is his missed tackle rate. I mean, he was like with Alex Singleton in missed tackle rate almost at, you know, 17%, I think it was. But the biggest thing that I saw that, that was pretty interesting in doing my prep for this show is that, you know, he had a 3.4 yard average depth of tackle versus the run, which means that he was always very close to the line, getting ready. And he had a top 10 run stop percentile percentage among all linebackers at 10%. So this guy is always up and around the ball. He's super fast. He played well in his starts. And, and usually, and maybe I'm wrong on this, players usually get better in their second season. So for me, I think he's someone's a breakout candidate. Maybe he doesn't. I know some people don't like him, but I'm willing to buy the talent and that he's going to make a big jump this year. I love that average depth of tackle statistic. For a big nerd like me and you guys who, you know, can see my face know I'm wearing these big goofy orange glasses. I I love that statistic because it, it, it signifies that he's getting to the ball carrier on these plays on a regular basis. And like you said, if he can just clean it up and improve, we should really expect those missed tackles to go down. I'm going to fill the shoes of somebody who's a JOK hater. 
give the counter argument here. I'm not a JOK hater. I love the guy, even though he plays for the Browns. I think the argument against him this season is that the Browns tend to only support one full-time linebacker, and there are a couple guys in that room that are vying for that role. It's him, it's Walker, you know, maybe there's another guy or two there that you think has a chance. I think really we should just hope that the coaches realize that he is as good as he is and that they'll give him the role. I think that's a fair counter argument to the to what the haters say. What do you think, Bob? Yeah, and I don't haters is probably a bad way to phrase that. I think people didn't care for him as much because of his size, you know. They're showing him at 62221. That seems to be a bit of a stretch. He seems yeah. to be a more along the 6 foot variety 210. Um, but sleepers got him got him a little uh a little bulkier for 2022. I agree with you. I mean, I think he is going to win that job. Jacob Phillips is really nobody at this point. I'm not an Anthony Walker guy. Um, JOK seems to be, he, he passes the eye test. You know, you watch the Browns play football, push the metrics aside, actually watch the guy play first to the ball, super fast. Um, had one and a half sacks last year to go with two forced fumbles. Um, I really like JOK for this year. You know, what else is kind of sucky to have to even think about or talk about is the Deshaun Watson stuff is going to affect a lot of the Browns' defensive snaps. You know, if it's like everything kind of came out this morning and it is a four- or six-game suspension, um, JOK might play a lot of snaps the first six weeks of the season. And then you would think that Deshaun Watson is going to elevate that Browns team towards the latter half of the year. Um, but as weird as that is to say, Deshaun Watson is is going to be a pretty big bearing on um, IDP output for the output for the Browns in 2022. 100%. I, I like that. And that's the, that's the thing is, again, like the J, my JOK stance would take, would change if they're like, okay, Sean Watson suspended four games. Yeah. Like, it makes a big difference than if they're like, he's suspended 12 games or for the full mm-hmm. season. That's the tough thing. And maybe that he should be someone we should be avoiding right now because the potential where, you know, the Sean Watson could settle those last couple things. And then all of mm-hmm. a sudden, you know, he's playing 16 games this year and mm-hmm. the, IDP, the ADP goes down. So, yeah. Yeah, there's not I, – I don't know. I guess in my eyes, there's not a huge difference between Deshaun and uh, Jacoby Brissett. Right, Evan? They're both the same type of guy. You know, running quarterbacks. I plead the fifth. <laughs> I will say I, I do like JOK for Dynasty a lot. Obviously, I, I'm not super into spending up for linebackers and redraft leagues, but, you know, if that's your thing, JOK is a good target. JOK on Dynasty is is a great player to trade for, especially because – he hasn't quite hit that ceiling yet. Um, let's hey, go and Evan. move on. Yes. Evan, JOK or Zavin for this year? Zavin. Give me Zavin. Really? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. The Cardinals run two linebackers at one of the highest rates in the entire league. Mm. Zavin doesn't need to beat out Isaiah Simmons. He just needs to be better than their third guy there, whose name I've already he, forgotten. He won't. He won't beat out Isaiah He might Simmons. not be. There's a non-zero <laughs> chance that he's not. But there's also non-zero chance that JOK doesn't beat out Walker. And if JOK mm-hmm. doesn't beat out Walker, he's now limited to the linebacker two role, which is less productive than the linebacker two role in Arizona. And so that's mm-hmm. why I like Zavin more. Long-term in Dynasty, it's tricky. Man, it's still tricky because they were both... No, JOK was a second-round pick. So so mm-hmm. Zavin has the fifth-year option available to, available to him in a defensive scheme that still should support linebackers more. It's tricky. It's tricky. Alex, I'm going to I'm going to throw you a curveball and I don't know if you're prepared for it, but more IDP points in 2022, Zayvon Collins or Isaiah Simmons. Oh. 
Don't put me in a spot like that. This that is, is where me and Evan just kiss battle uh, back and forth. I don't I don't want to get in the middle. I don't I'm not someone that likes to choose sides. I like to be Switzerland here, but I'm gonna okay. go with the the talent, my guy, one of my favorite players, you know, in the league in Isaiah Simmons. Again, it, it's the answer's David Collins. I'm just like I'm, I'm about the talent. I'm about watching him play and that he can play like twelve different positions when there's only eleven on the field. Like I'm I'm about Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, who really knows? It's fun to talk about. I don't think the Cardinals even really know uh, what's going on there. But, Evan, let's get back to the NFC North. Let's bang out the rest of these because we have mm-hmm. talked too much and we have a lot of players left to go. All right. So, Detroit Lions, I know you guys are sitting on the edge of your seat. Really excited for me to talk about this team. But our first player is a bust, and it's Derek Barnes. Oh. Now, Derek mm-hmm. Barnes in 2021, I know, so sad. Mm-hmm. 2021, he got 67 tackles, four tackles for loss, two sacks, two pass breakups, and two quarterback hits. He had a 30.1 defense grade, a 53.8 run defense grade, a 68.3 tackle grade, a 65.3 pass rush grade, and a 27.6 coverage grade. Now, he had a 39% snap count in 17 games played, and he had 6.6 points per game. We shouldn't have to be sitting here telling you that a player who played as little as Derek Barnes or as poorly in those limited snaps as Barnes will not be anything else this season but a bust. But mm-hmm. there's still a small sect of IDP that holds out hope. This time last year, people were already croning him the linebacker one in Detroit. But like last year, it will not amount to that at all. Unless we see a serious injury to Alex Anzalone, Barnes will probably not even get a sniff. And the fact that it will take a serious injury to the calzone should tell you all you need to know. <laughs> Who gave you access to the soundboard, Bob? This I is not okay. I didn't know if y'all could hear it or not. That was that was uh, that was good timing. That was amazing. Yeah. Derek Barnes, gross. When the, how long until the Joe Schobert to uh, Detroit Lions sleeper notification hits? Ooh, hot take. I'd love to see that. I would love to see that. I, I'm someone I, I got to shout out my dad real quick here. He was a huge Derek Barnes guy. We were a huge Derek Barnes guy. We thought that, that was like the pick of the year in our IDP draft that we did last year. Like it is so disappointing. I want him on the field so bad. But even at the end of the season, when he started to get on a little bit more, like he just wasn't producing like the run stopping maniac that he was made out to be in, in training camp. So, you know, rest in peace for Derek Barnes's hopes this year. But you know, that is that. Mm-hmm. that's tough yeah let's not spend any more time on this guy he doesn't deserve it i'm sorry our breakout player aiden hutchinson now in 2021 he had 62 total tackles 16.5 tackles for loss 14 sacks five forced fumbles one fumble recovery now he was drafted second overall in the first round of this past nfl draft he was the second edge rusher taken right behind trayvon walker now you might have noticed here at the idp show we love ourselves a Michigan edge rusher. Rashawn Gary, Quiddy Pay, Chase Winovich's look, but not his play, David sure. Ajabo, and Aiden Hutchinson. It's just the latest in that trend. Hutch is a beast. He's not the most technical or the most physically gifted, but he's got a never-ending motor, and he never gives up on a play. Don't hear what we're not saying, though. Just because he's not the most technical or most physically gifted doesn't mean he isn't either of those things. He's still right up there with the best in this rookie class, and we firmly expect him to arrive on the IDP scene with a splash as early as week one versus the Eagles. 
Alex, I'm going to shoot this one to you first. Do we like Aiden Hutchinson this year? I love Aiden Hutchinson this year. He's a Michigan. He's a Michigan edge. I mean, what's not to love at this point? I mean, I'm I'm already sold at that point. I mean, I know that there's some people that are like, you know, he's he's not Nick Bosa or like, you know, TJ Watt or some of these other guys, but like he doesn't need to be. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing that people I think is so overlooked because they're like, just because like he was drafted second overall and he's not Chase Young, like doesn't mean that he can't be a breakout player. And I think that's one thing that has been so frustrating to watch because I think he's super talented. He's done nothing but produce over the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm buying him. My only thing to say is like, I'm just so sick and tired of people just because he's not, you know, going to be the greatest, you know, edge of all time. And he was drafted in the top two and he's not David David on Clowney or Miles Garrett or whoever it is. Like, doesn't mean that like, he's not going to be really good. And I think that he has sneaky upside, especially on this defense. Like I referenced earlier with the defense being on the field for a lot of snaps with Seattle. Like, I, mean, I know this offense will definitely improve for the Lions this year, but I think this is still a defense that's going to see a lot of snaps. And I think that's going to be very good for Aiden Hutchison. I like it. Bob, what do you think? Ugh, I don't like his ADP. I will say that. There are some offensive guys in rookie drafts that I like more. If I know that I'm going to get a four-game suspension suspension from Deshaun Watson, I'm taking David Bell over Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I don't know. You can say whatever you want to about George Pickens. Maybe you're a Pickens guy and you would take him over Hutch. Um, the RB class does seem to be pretty weak this year as far as ADP for startups go, as far as rookie drafts go. I agree with you, Alex. He doesn't have to be TJ Watt. Um, and it is a very weak offensive um, class as far as rookie drafts are concerned. Um, I just can't I can't make myself draft Hutchison. He might be fine. And the, the Lions need him to be really good to kind of give them some, um, some spunk there on the defensive line because they're kind of lacking outside of Romeo Aquara or you know, Trey Flowers was nothing. Um, I do like what they're building up there. I am a Dan Campbell guy. I, I am standing somewhat for my Jared Goff-led uh, Lions. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is a guy I just haven't drafted anywhere. I don't know why. Need to evaluate some some stuff in my heart, I guess. Man, I can't believe you said it's a weak running back class when we have the legend <laughs> Dominic Elwood, but it's all right. We'll move on. Sure. Go ahead and Shad give me. White. <laughs> Go ahead and give me your your uh, next player, Alex. Let's uh, hear who you got to talk about. Yeah, what what better player to talk about? You know, you know, going in that same early first round like Aiden Hutchison, than on the Baltimore Ravens, Kyle Hamilton. You know, I mean, yeah. like where we keep hearing that he's going to see a a Derwin James like deployment in the NFL. He's going to be a box safety up in there. A lot of snaps. Like that's it. Sold. Like I'm I'm in. I don't need to say anything else. But then you put in the fact that he's six four two twenty. You know, he's going to mm. play in the box. They said Chuck Clark is going to be the guy that's in coverage. I'm sad because I like Chuck Clark, and I would have loved to see him do more. But obviously, he's going to be in coverage more. Kyle Hamilton will be the box guy. I mean, this is still a team that lost some defensive backs. You know, Tavon Young, Deshaun Elliott, you know, Anthony Averett. You know, there's some guys going, I know they're not exactly safeties, but I think there's some, you know, more defensive backs that are not going to be competing for snaps with Kyle Hamilton. And this is still a team that was fifth highest in blitz percentage last year. I know Wink Martindale isn't gone, but it should still be pretty high. And I knew that their new defensive coordinator um, played with, uh, I think, Daxon Hill, I think of his name, from Notre Dame last year. And he deployed him pretty well. I know they're different players, but I think that it's pretty interesting that he deployed him really well, got him some dry high draft capital. Hopefully he'll deploy Kyle Hamilton at a Derwin James type level this year. Mm. I love Kyle Hamilton at ADP. I don't know why it's not higher. I expected it to be higher, but... But yeah, 
it it was higher earlier. I feel like it's it's gone down a bit. Bob, your face tells me that you might disagree a bit. So let me hear what you have to say. I really like Kyle Hamilton. I agree with what Alex is saying. You know, I was a Derwin stand way back in the day. I drafted him in the third round of our rookie IDP drafts and thought I had struck gold. You know who I drafted Derwin right next to was Minka Fitzpatrick that year. And they have both panned out very well. And I really think Kyle Hamilton has the same type of production possibilities as a Minka. If you look at those teams, you know, Pat Queen is not great. I mean, he might become an average NFL linebacker, but he's not right now. Malik Harrison is nobody. Josh Bynes is terrible. They haven't added anybody else via free agency. Just like the Pittsburgh Steelers, we talked about Miles Jack. We talked about Devin Bush. We talked about what Joe Schobert was. Um, I really think that Kyle Hamilton, exactly like you're talking about, Alex, with his size, with his um, you know, ability to play in the box, you're looking at what could be another Derwin James. And I know you don't I, I don't like to talk about that a lot. I don't like to elevate people to that status. Um, but Kyle Hamilton could really be something special in the NFL. Mm. Love it. Let's hear about your second guy, Alex. Yeah, my second guy is Odafe Owe. I, I love him, the player. Again, I think that was interesting uh, off the edge. I mean, he had 65% of the snaps as a rookie. I think yeah. that go up. You know, he had a team high, 27 pressures. I think the other thing I like about him numbers-wise going into his second year is he's not just a guy that's getting tackles or just a guy that's getting sacks. It's not either. He had a good mix of both. I mean, he had 33 tackles and five sacks. So I think those are pretty impressive numbers coming into his first year. You know, their GM has talked him up and said, this guy is a very great future. He's going to be a very big part of what we're trying to do. And just the fact that, like, he is the athletic specimen that he was. I mean, that was the biggest concern coming out of Penn State, like, that was that this guy is not going to be able to get sacks. He didn't get them in college. He didn't do it. And then he had five sacks as a rookie. And he's just an absolute menace. And I think that he is someone that has very big breakout upside. Maybe he doesn't live up to it. But I think the potential is absolutely huge. And, you know, I, I like to buy into big potential and, you know, just swing for the fences because I'm, I'm playing to win. I'm not playing for second place or third place. I'm drafting the guy that I think can win me the whole league. And I think that Odafe Owe could be one of those guys. Mm. Away, 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 away. Oh, please don't start it. <laughs> Too late. Already did. Bob, tell me what you think. Always great. I drafted him super late in rookie drafts. I really love OA. I like OA probably more than uh, probably standard ADP. I know a lot of people, you, t- you think about that class, you think about the Joe Tryon Shoinkas, you think about the Aziz Ojolaris, you think about the Jalen Phillips. I'm not necessarily putting Jalen Phillips above OA at this point. I still think, I still think that's yet to be seen. I, I, I agree with you, Alex, 100%. Owe is the complete package. It did seem like every primetime game when uh, Baltimore played last year, he had a he had a big game, which was really bizarre. So that's something to think about going into twenty two. If the Ravens are on TV, start Owe uh, in your in your DL spot. But um, yeah, man, he's a complete package. I really think that uh, he could have a special year in twenty twenty two. All right, for our last two teams, we're a little short on time, so we're going to mix it up for you, listeners. Keep you on your toes. Keep it exciting. We have two players from the Vikings. And we have two players from the Bengals that we're going to talk about. So our two Vikings are Daniil Hunter and Eric Kendricks. Alex, who are you? T- your two players from the Bengals? My two players from the Bengals are Logan Wilson and Sam Hubbard. So what we're going to do here is we're going to do a buy-sell-hold with these four players. Bob, how many are we buying, selling, and holding? What do you think? We're going to buy one, we're going to sell two, and we're going to hold one. All right. Alex, I'd love to hear your thoughts first if you want to go. We got Hunter, we got Kendricks, and we got Wilson, and we got Hubbard. What do you think? 
I think the first guy that I'm going to sell to start off is Sam Hubbard. I mean, I, I like Sam Hubbard. I like the talent, but if I have to sell one of these guys, it's probably him. You know, he's never exceeded a 64.5 pass rush grade. And, you know, Joseph Asai, who was, you know, a potential first round pick the previous year, but we went in the second round, was injured, you know, last preseason, you know, and I think that he could factor more into that rotation this year. So I think I'm going to sell him. Oh, it's so hard to sell someone like when it's Logan Wilson, Hunter and, and Kendricks. I think I'm going to buy Logan Wilson. I know that's not a, probably a popular opinion here, and I know that he missed the fantasy football playoffs in consecutive years. But the biggest thing that impressed me about Logan Wilson beyond what his play was last year was what he did in the playoffs. Like when, when the lights shined the brightest last year, he absolutely stepped up and I think was one of the biggest key factors in the Bengals like going on that Super Bowl run. And he was making play after play after play. I felt like the entire playoffs when I was watching, and maybe that's recency bias, but I think if he did that, judging by how much he improved in his second year, I'm going to expect an even bigger third-year leap. This guy just got married. He's probably going to want to have kids soon. And if that is going to happen, he's going to have to, you know, get paid, you know, just to feed them and everything like that. So I'm going with Logan Wilson there. I guess I have to sell. So I have to sell one between Kendricks and Hunter. Mm-hmm. Sell two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You get a whole one, you get to sell one. Okay. All right. I'm I'm going to sell Daniel Hunter. I know that's probably not the popular opinion here. It's not. I, I'm just, it's okay. This one is purely off of just like, I just love guys who make big tackles. I love guys sure. that are linebackers. Like those are my favorite position to watch on the field. It's my favorite position. Probably less of a fantasy take, more of a real life thing. I love Daniel Hunter. I love everything he's about, but I love the machine that Eric Hendricks has turned into. And I'm going to go with him as my hold. Evan, I'm going to let you finish up. I'm going to bang mine out real quick. My two sales, Hubbard. Yes, that's accurate. Osai is coming. Uh, sell Trey Hendrickson too, if you can get a good return on him. Um, I'm selling Logan Wilson. I'm selling him high. LB finished last year was pretty nice. Um, I don't know. If I can get a good return on Logan Wilson, I'm selling him. I'm going to hold Eric Kendricks, just like Adam talked about a couple episodes ago. I think he's kind of into that sweet spot right now there with the um, with the um, Vikings. And then I'm going to buy Daniel Hunter. I keep finding that people are wanting to get off of Daniel Hunter because of the back stuff. And uh, Zedarius Smith is coming in town. But while everybody else is selling, I am going to buy Daniel. I think I agree with you there, Bob. I love selling expensive linebackers. I would have a coin flip between Kendricks and Wilson, just depending on the rate of return. If I can't get a good return for Kendricks simply because people are ageist, then I guess I can't. And if people really want to, you know, buy into Logan Wilson, then great for me. Um, But Alex, I cannot agree with you more. I I do love Logan Wilson as a player. I think he will be highly productive. And in a non-transactional basis, We're not talking about buying or selling. We're simply talking about how much we like these players, perhaps relative to ADP. Logan Wilson, he is a stud. So I I could not Mm -hmm. agree with you more. Nothing quite motivates a man like feeding his family. Ain't that right, Bob? Oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We are going to let Alex go here. I'm sure he has had enough of us. Um, But before we let you go, Alex, let's one more time for the listeners who forgot to pay attention at the beginning, shout out where they can find you and what you do. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. If I had more time, I could sit here for another two and a half hours and talk IDP with you guys. You guys were everything I could have imagined and more on the show. So I very much thank you for having me today. But if you want to follow more of my work and get some threads with new great information coming out every single day, Follow me on Twitter at Alex Caruso, on TikTok at Alex Caruso NFL. If you want to hear my voice more in podcast form, you can find me at the Fresh Fantasy Podcast and all your favorite podcast platforms. But guys, thank you so much for having me today. This is literally one of my favorite shows I've ever done in my entire life. And that is <laughs> I love it. 
Awesome. Thank you, Alex. We're going to head to an ad break, and we will catch you on the flippity flop. Peace out. What's up, everybody? Josh here with the IDP show. Now, if you've been listening to our show for any amount of time, you've probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where league members get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. And the IDP show is making it happen for listeners. We've partnered up with RSO to offer new members 10% off their annual site fee. Just use promo code IDP show after your 14 day trial is complete. So what are you waiting for? With RSO, you have free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Like we said, it's the closest thing you can get to being an NFL general manager. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. Just remember to use the promo code IDP show to get 10% off the site fee. Again, that's promo code IDP show to get 10% off the site fee for your leagues in 2022. Fantasy just got real with Reality Sports Online. Y'all know what time it is. The boys is back. Welcome back to the IDP show. After that ad break, we are now joined by a new guest. I'm going to let him introduce himself. So, Drew, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Let them know where they can find you. Hi, guys. My name's Drew. You can find me at Drew Dotson NFL on Twitter. I used to produce content for uh, DLF. I've produced a podcast called The Dynasty Playbook in the past. Uh, you've had my old co-host on here, uh, Tyler Huggins. Mm-hmm. Uh, love Tyler. He's a great guy. Um, and I, I've just been producing content in the IDP space for going on seven years now to some extent. So I'm just excited to be on here. I'm, I'm happy to join you guys. Super stoked to have you. Bob and I have been chatting it up with you for the past couple of minutes already. So we've definitely been breaking some stuff down. I'm excited to to share some of our discussion with the listeners here. And so we're going to break down the two South divisions. So we have the AFC South and the NFC South for this second half of the podcast. We're just going to jump back and forth between the divisions, talk about two players from each division and give them an attribute, whether that be sleeper, breakout, bust, or some other kind of clarifying statement. But Bob, how are you feeling? How is, how'd you make it out of that ad break? Are we still alive? I'm missing my boy, Josh. Missing my boy, Adam. <laughs> it's a weird night here in the soda shack with nobody here. Josh is freaking across the world and nobody knows where Adam is. We haven't heard from him in the, you know, at least a good three weeks. So nobody yeah. knows. Did he fall into a bunker at Park Mammoth? It's possible. It's possible. It's possible somebody buried him out there um maybe willingly maybe maybe forced i don't know but adam if you're hearing this i love you buddy 
call me. Call me soon. <laughs> call me. But no, I'm excited for this. This will be great. Um, AFC South, NFC South. A lot of good players I want to talk about. A lot of good, uh, a lot of players I don't want to talk about too. But we're gonna <laughs> find out which ones those are. You're gonna give me the the great honor of discussing some of these ambiguous situations we were mm-hmm. talking about earlier. There are a lot of ambiguous situations with some of these teams, and uh, I personally believe there is value in ambiguity. But we might get to butt heads a little bit later on in the episode. So, without further ado, let's start it off with the Tennessee Titans. So in the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans, our, our first player is a breakout, and it's linebacker David Long. Now, in 2021, David Long had 75 total tackles, four tackles for loss, two interceptions, six pass breakups, and a PFF grade of 68. He had a 66.6 run defense grade, ooh, 44.7 tackle grade, 79.3 pass rush grade, and a 63.4 coverage grade. Now, he had a 94% snap count in 10 games played for 13.2 points per game. We got the hint of a breakout from Long in 2021, as his 13.2 points per game would have cemented him amongst linebacker twos had he been able to play the whole season. Before week nine, when he got injured, his snap share never dropped before uh, below 98%. And though he only played 55% in his first game back in week 17, he was back up to 100% in week 18. We can assume Cunningham will slot in as the secondary backer besides him, but it would be bold indeed to predict a Jordan Hicks, Perryman, Devondre Campbell-style resurgence in his career. The main linebacker role has been great for fantasy in the past, and we're expecting more of the same from Long in 2022. Bob, what do you think about that? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, what's not to like about David Long? You got a 25-year-old, you know, a little short, 5'11", about my height, 227. You know, Cunningham, Monty Rice are there, but they're, you know, no, nobody to be really worried about, in my opinion. Rashawn Evans is gone. Uh, Jayon Brown being gone. Um, he did have double-digit scoring in games that he scored over, um, in, in games that he played over 70% of his snaps last year, which I really like to see. I expect him to have a healthy workload this year. I agree with you. I think that that opportunity there, that that position uh, produces for IDP, David Long's ADP right now is really buried. He's not a guy that's that's really um, being drafted as an LB one or really even an LB two. Honestly, I think he's I think he's being drafted as an LB three right now. With honestly, he probably has LB one potential just based off of the amount of snaps that I think he could play in twenty twenty two. Drew, you disagree with me? You right in step? What do you think? I I'm in lockstep with you. I mean, these are all excellent points. Um, Jalen Brown was a fantastic linebacker for IDP for a long time. And that's the role Long's about to step into. And I think Long is just as good of a linebacker as Brown is. Uh, I think we're very capable of seeing that same little production out of them. Cunningham is likely to be the one that sees that second role. I'm not really all that impressed with what we saw from Molly Rice last year. Sure. Cunningham could have some value with him there as well. But David Long is absolutely, I think, got that number one job locked in uh, to the, you know, the Titans are a competing team and they didn't address the position in free agency. They didn't address it in the draft. I think that shows they're comfortable with long as their linebacker one. I agree with you a lot there, Drew. 
Bob, don't hate on yourself too much. I know 5'11 might not seem like a lot. I, I will mm-hmm. say in person, you do look a little more like a six foot. So thank you. Definitely, thank you. definitely credit there. The hair on top really, hair, really helps. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I fluff it up if I'm feeling a little a little short that, that Wear morning. Wear some thick-soled shoes. Heck just yeah. make sure you're just over that six-foot threshold. Hey, maybe yeah. you could start for a linebacker, too, for the Titans. You never know. They're only an hour that, away. I'm only an hour away. The only, uh, the only restriction. You just got to be at least 5'11 and 227. If you can do that, then that's all you need. Hey, let me know what open tryouts are. I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> I love it. I Yeah, man, I can't reiterate how much I love David Long. He fits the profile of the kind of linebacker that I'm willing to target, which is very low ADP, but still has a secure three down workload available to him. It just seems like the value there is really, really nice. And although he's titled as a breakout, I, you know, he produced well last year and I would expect him to continue to produce well this year. I would almost, I would almost label him a stud. Dare I say, Ooh, I don't hate Speaking it. of studs, speaking of studs, our next player from the Titans is Jeffrey Simmons. Talk about a stud for real. Now in 2021, he had 54 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, 8.5 sacks, 16 quarterback hits, and six pass breakups. Hit a 72.0 defense grade for PFF, 61.4 run defense, 28.3 tackle, 74.6 pass rush, and a 61.2 coverage grade. He had 85% of the snaps, 17 games played, and 11.9 points per game. Now, Simmons has established himself as one of the true game-changing DTs for fantasy over the past 12 months. Both his total score and points per game were top five. And he proved in multiple weeks that he has Aaron Donald slash Chris Jones' ability to win you a week from the defensive tackle position single-handedly. If you're playing in a sleeper league with no DT designations, Simmons does lose his positional advantage, sure. But he's still someone you should have on your radar no matter what due to his pure NFL ability to blow a game wide open. If you're an MFL or RSO style league with DT specifically, Simmons is someone worth considering overpaying for. He's only turning 25 this year, and players like Hayward and Donald won't be around forever. Bob, what do you think? I agree. If you're in D-tackle leagues, I do think for Dynasty, Simmons is probably my D-tackle too. I like him that much. Aaron's right. He does have the ability to blow open games. Honestly, I even like him in in, in baby IDP, in sleeper, um, because he's just forgotten. If you have putted DL, if you have, you know, grabbed a bunch of LBs or, or DBs or even DL too high, and you're running out of picks in one of these stupid long IDP drafts that we're all in, um, Simmons is a guy whose ADP is still really far down there. I do know, I think he's got a quote-unquote injury right now, which seems to be maybe a little bit contract-related. So surely the Titans will re-up him because he does seem to be a pretty solid part of their defensive line. But I'm interested to see what uh, what Drew has to say about Jeffrey Simmons. So am I crazy to have him as a borderline DL1 in non-DT-required leagues? I'm right there with you, Drew, because the talent is there, right? You watch him play. He passes the eye test. His stats are pretty freaking good. Last year, he had games in victory scoring, uh, 14 points, 10, 14, 31, 25, 11, 8, 11. 
So more than half of his games were borderline either double digit or even, you know, 20 point games. There are some lower scoring games. He does seem to have a pretty decent tackle floor. Uh, a lot of his games, I would say here, he's probably averaging about three to four tackles a game. I could see how he could trend in the, I don't know if I want to say DL1, the DL2 type of category for it's, 2022. It, it's definitely borderline. It, I have a hard time with, with non-DT rankings because ever because every league i'm in is dt required sure. um but i absolutely love simmons for dt required i mean he's i don't know that he's not my dt too it's yeah it's close i'm definitely taking him over chris jones uh taking over yes. wilkins um yes. i like wilkins a lot though i think wilkins is getting getting a little slept on which is yeah. you know not not simmons but uh i think simmons is going to continue to just tear through the NFL I think he's going to be an, an all-pro player and he's going to be for I, I I think I'm gonna give Aaron a little break here because Aaron Donald was hemming and hawing about coming back to the NFL because he's gotten his ring and he now he's done everything he's a he's a locked-in Hall of Famer he might retire for all we know mm -hmm. um, and if he does that then I think Jeffrey Simmons is the heir apparent to the DT1 throne for the rest of his career Jeffrey yeah. Simmons could be that guy he could be the heir apparent to the uh, to the DT1 throne post-Aaron Donald years. Drew, let's go ahead and jump over to the NFC South. Why don't you go ahead and pick your team and pick a player on your team to start us off with on your end of things. So let's go ahead and get started with the Atlanta Falcons. The whole defense this year is not something I, I'm really all that excited about. But my first guy is Arnold Ebikiti. He's my sleeper slash dash. Ebikiti had 62 total tackles, 18 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, and one pass breakup in his last season in Penn State after he left Temple. Edukiti has shown that he can do what he can do as a pass rusher at Penn State, but I believe there's further room for improvement here as long as the Falcons coaching staff can actually handle proper player management. He has, also has absolutely no competition other than D'Angelo Malone for the starting job. Edukiti could immediately offer upside in terms of sacks but i believe with development we could be looking at chandler jones light type of stat line or maybe close to a uh in without the turnovers the kind of guy who can give 10 plus sacks any given season but overall low tackle totals this caps his potential value but i could see him as a guy who consistently finishes as a d2 to d3 every season but it'll be feast or famine trying to pick the weeks he goes off evan uh do you have any thoughts on Ebikiti? Or I, I may be butchering his name, by the way. I'm not sure. <laughs> I pronounce it Arnold Ebikiti. But, you mm. know, as long as we know who we're talking about, who really cares? I do love this take, though. I I think he immediately slots in as a starter on one side, and I think it's, you know, a battle between D'Angelo Malone and Lorenzo Carter on the other end. Maybe we get Lorenzo Carter at the start. <laughs> we get a little Lorenzo Carter at the start. Maybe not. Um, but, but yeah, man, I think he's incredibly talented. I think the opportunity is there. I think, you know, volume is good. Volume is a great predictive stat. And if talent wins out, I think we should expect solid production year one and may or may not be starter worthy depending on the depth of the league. But going forward after year one, man, he's just in a great position to have a team built around him in a way that allows him to be productive going forward. Bob, I'm going to pass this one off to you and see if you have anything to add. 
Yeah, Ebiketti's great. I really like him because he's pretty much free in these rookie drafts. You know, you go to player profiler and you kind of pull up his metrics, and they're they're pretty nice, honestly. You know, with him being the the eighth pick in the second round last year, a four point seven one forty, which isn't bad. It was in the 93rd percentile for burst score and then the 91st percentile for agility score, which are two really big metrics that I like to see out of a defensive lineman. I agree. What is Atlanta going to look like? Who is the defensive lineman going to be that you want there in Atlanta? Is there one? Is there two? Is there zero? We don't really know. But Ebiketti is a guy that you definitely kind of want to keep your eye on. He kind of... I know he came out of Penn State, but his evaluation kind of reminds me a little bit of Odafe Owe. Um, you know, Owe didn't have a ton of sacks coming out of Penn State. They both came out of Penn State together. I know Owe is a little bit taller, but as far as an ADP, as, as far as kind of what you have to use pick-wise to acquire Ebiketti or Owe, they were about the same. And if I can get the same type of production out of Ebiketti that I got out of Owe last year, I'll be plenty happy with that. It does suck that he went to Atlanta because Atlanta is not great right now. But let's talk about another defensive lineman there in Atlanta that I like. So the second guy is a much harder stash. I think D'Angelo Malone being the other guy. He's got a little more ways to go. He's got some development to do before he's going to be a full-time starter. But in 2021 at, you know, WKU, you guys' is, uh, mm-hmm. let's go. home, home let's go. school. Another conference USA buddy. I'm a Southern Miss guy myself, but oh no, oh, yeah. Let's tell you up real quick, Evan. <laughs> but no, in 2021, he had 94 total tackles in 14 games played. He had 17 and a half tackle for a loss, eight sacks, four forced fumbles, and four pass breakups. You know, this isn't going to be a rave review, but that speaks more to the weakness that is the Falcons' defense outside of AJ Terrell. There wasn't a whole lot of else to talk about because we'll get into the linebackers in a second, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. the linebacker situation is full of questions. The safeties are a bunch of nobodies, and who knows what version of Grady Jarrett we're going to get this year. Mm-hmm. Malone is not a high upside player like Ebiketti, but he has the potential to be almost as useful because he has a lot more to offer in the run game. Uh, it remains to be seen whether Malone will be able to handle the move from Conference USA to the NFL, but if he continues to be a strong run defender, they could provide a solid tackle floor while still getting some splash plays here and there. You know, he still you know, be, you know, had eight sacks in his last season. Depending on how deep your rookie drafts went, Malone may still be on waivers, and if so, he's worth the roster spot just to see what he develops into. I totally agree. D'Angelo Malone is a guy I was excited to see land in the Falcons because they were desperately in need of help on the edge. And players like that, that are typically really low down in rankings and not very sought after landing in a situation like that, I think are great dynasty stashes. I think that's a great process. Before we kind of go off the rails a little bit and talk about some other Atlanta Falcons defense shenanigans, Bob, I want to hear what you think about your man. Yeah, D'Angelo Malone was a large part of why Western was even decent last year. 6'3", 239. His metrics are great, man. 4.65 in the 40 is really nice. 72nd percentile burst score, 75th percentile agility score, which I really like. His best comparable is Jacob Martin, who recently just went from the uh, the Texans to the Jets. I really like Jacob Martin. I think he's a young guy that is going to have an opportunity up there also. Um, I like D'Angelo Malone. If you if you enjoy throwing darts that aren't very expensive, this is the type of guy to uh, throw a dart on him and Ebiketti. Honestly, both of those um, 
fill that role. And if one of them doesn't work out, who cares? You don't have a lot invested in them like you would in Aiden Hutchinson or uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. But D'Angelo Malone is a guy that I, I don't mind grabbing late in drafts just to uh, just to see if he pans out. He, may, he might take a while. I, I agree with what you said, Drew. Moving from Conference USA to the NFL is going to take a minute. But if you're in big rosters and you don't mind to wait a while on a guy like this, stash him on a taxi and, uh, and, and let him learn a little while. Perfect. As for, yeah, absolutely. As for the other position groups for the Falcons, I, I hate saying this on, you know, on a podcast where people will listen because we haven't finished the IDP best ball number six, but mm. I've taken their, their strong safety, Eric Harris at the end of every single one of our drafts so far, because he is available in the last round. I, I just feel like he's really undervalued and I'm a big fan, especially in best ball of just, snatching up safeties that are going to see a high percentage of snaps in the box that are basically free. But I do have a question I want to ask you guys. Let's say, theoretically speaking, that the Falcons either cut or trade away Deion Jones. You have to choose the two starters between the three remaining guys. Bob, I'll let you go first. Which two guys would you put your money on if you had to choose to be the most productive linebackers in Atlanta? I know which two I'm going to pick. It's going to be Troy Anderson, and it's going to be Rashawn Evans. They're the two that I believe in the most. I don't think Rashawn is as bad maybe as his uh, NFL persona um, has gotten to, and I think Troy Anderson is just a freak. I think he's you know a freak metrically. I think that he's going to be the best competitor on the field. I think Michael Walker had a chance last year and didn't, Kind of like Monty Rice, we kind of saw what we needed to see, and there's not really anything great. He's going to see some snaps, but I don't think he's going to be consistent. Drew might com- completely disagree with at least one. I think you agree with Troy, Troy Anderson. I, I'm I'm on Anderson for sure. I'm I'm big fan of Anderson. I think he's by far the best chance to produce, especially outside of this year. This year, maybe you know, there's a lot of linebacker miss there. It may be mm-hmm. a difficult time for him to get to that starting lineup to start the season. But I think by the end of the season, he's a clear guy. And I, I do think Walker ends up the number two. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was Evans. Evans has a proven track record as a veteran linebacker. I just wonder if because the Falcons deploy such a two-linebacker set on so, such a frequent occasion, whether they're going to want to run Evans as their second guy when he struggles in coverage so much. Mm. Good call. Um, but... Kel Walker may struggle in everything. I mean, with as bad as Deion Jones was, what they still couldn't get Walker on the field over him. Now they that may be because they're paying Jones twenty million dollars a year or whatever his obnoxious salary is. But it's you know, it, at some point you want to see what what your young guys got. And this is a young coaching staff. You you think they're going to try and develop their roster and get as much as you know, try and at least show the owner, hey. We've got some young guys here that are developing instead of just saying, hey, the guys we already had aren't doing so good. Sure. Well, I'm going to disagree the heck out of you guys <laughs> because I we talked about this earlier. This is one of my favorite sayings. It's the fallacy of rational coaching is we we come to a rational decision or a conclusion of what we believe it would be right for a coaching staff to do. And therefore, we we make conclusions based upon that rational decision-making basis but it's certainly possible that coaching staffs are irrational and the irrational thing might be to just leave Deion Jones on the field over Michael Walker, even though Deion Jones played like booty cheeks. 
I actually believe Michael Walker was was pretty good. He graded well on PFF. That's what I'll say. He had very limited snaps, but he graded well in coverage. And I think there's a non-zero chance that he ends up, even if Deion Jones ticks around, I think he probably has the best odds to secure that starting job, at least for the start of the season, simply because he has the familiarity with the the defensive scheme, having played in it already for a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Um but man, I hear you guys. It's it's difficult to pin down, and the fact that we disagree on some things is great because it's reflective of the market. And if you are fortunate enough as a manager to correctly guess which linebacker will earn that role, you are going to profit extremely heavily. It might be one of the biggest ADP expectation versus end-of-season production numbers in all of IDP this season. So... I'm I'm continuing to take shots on those players in every draft I can. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Maybe I'll I'll take the strategy talk to you guys real quick before we move on. Bob, what do you think? Well, gun to the head, if I have to have an Atlanta Falcon on my team, I'm having AJ Terrell, which is quarterback talk nobody wants to talk about. But I think that dude is really good. I don't mind him in sleeper as a DB. I think he's fine also. Yeah, Atlanta's just such a mess. You know, there's gonna be there's a lot of these teams tonight, you know. We're going to get into the Houston Texans, you know, <laughs> what a travesty that is. You know, the Falcons are going to be bad this year. Is Mariota going to play? Are they going to let Ritter throw? I don't know. They're going to have the one-on-one next year. That's, sure. That's, that's what's going to happen. I mean, Seahawks, Seattle's got some pieces that are good on their team, you know. Uh, who else? The Texans, that's really the, their only competition. It's, it's the Texans and the Falcons, I think, for the one-on-one. But Bob, I am going to completely disagree with you on AJ Terrell. I think AJ Terrell is going to be unusable this year. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be the only good piece on that defense, and Mm -hmm. he's going to get avoided. Very possible. I think they're going to abuse the other players on that defense. Yeah, AJ Terrell is certainly interesting. A great example of good for real life, but may or may not be good for IDP. Let's go ahead and take it from one pretty disgusting team to another pretty disgusting team in the Houston Texans. Now, our first breakout is Jonathan Greenard. I know Bob is excited to talk about this guy. So in 2021, Greenard had 33 total tackles, nine tackle for loss, eight sacks, two forced fumbles, 12 quarterback hits, and four pass breakups. Now, he had an 82.9 defense grade, a 61.5 run defense grade, 62.8 tackle grade, an 89.2 pass rush grade, and a 61 coverage grade now he played 52 percent of the snaps in 12 games played for 14.2 points per game Greenard was unreal to start the season last year injuries meant we never got to see what he could do fully if he'd stayed healthy but here's to hoping 2022 gives us that opportunity Bob let us hear how much you love this guy I can't love the guy anymore this year you know, we talked about Jacob Martin a little bit earlier, already leaving to go to the Jets. Charles Aminahue, I'm not sure where he went, but I know he's gone also. They brought in uh, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, really some nobodies. The weeks I'm paying attention to, the weeks that I really like, I think I think that Greener got hurt late last year with maybe a hamstring injury. I can't really remember. But weeks 3 through 12, he averaged 14.25 points per game and had eight sacks in that stretch. That was the stretch where if you picked him up, if you listened to the IDP show, we were probably banging the drum saying, hey, pay attention to Jonathan Greenard. Like he might see you through the season. It kind of sucks that he got hurt later on in the season, 
but I guarantee you that he won you a lot of games in the regular season and uh, your opportunity to even go to the playoffs. You know, these guys that get us to the playoffs are super valuable. They might not stay healthy all the way through the, the end of the fantasy playoffs, but guys like Jonathan Greenard are definitely necessary. Guys like Jalen Thompson that just appear in week two or three and you ride to a bye. Anyways, let's get back to Jonathan Greenard. I really like him. I think that he's slipping a lot in drafts. I don't think his value is very high right now. I don't know what you all would give in Dynasty to acquire Jonathan Greenard, but I think he's a really talented guy. I think a lot of people would say that he did a lot with his opportunities last year and that that might not be as replicable in 2022. But man, his PFF grades are nice. An 82% defensive grade, an 89% pass rush grade. Oh my gosh, man. For the Houston Texans, what a bright spot um, Jonathan Greenard is for them. I don't know, Drew. Maybe I'm just smitten over here with Jonathan Greenard. Maybe you completely disagree, but tell, tell me your thoughts here on Greenard. I think the easiest explanation for why his value is in the trash because he's got the tanks, Texas stink on him. There's absolutely nothing he's done as a player to not be encouraging. We just uh, It's very similar to a guy I'm going to talk about when we do New Orleans in a little bit. You know, we didn't get a full season out of Marcus Davenport either, but when, when he played, he showed. Yeah. And I'm starting to really, I'm becoming more attached to these guys that even though they're not going to give me a full season, you know, Janelle Hunter's another great example. When they're on the field, they're going to, they're going to blow up for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not as worried that he may have hamstring injuries or whatever that is. I think he's, I, I was here for the breakout last year. I was, I was, I was in on early on, Greenard early so Mm -hmm. I'm definitely here for the the stage two of the breakout and I think having uh, Addison there and Hughes there to rotate in and give him some real help is going to benefit him more than hurt him I think that defense is slowly coming together piece by piece and we got to remember Lovey Smith is coming in to be their their head coach Lovey Smith has put together some solid defenses over the years Mm -hmm. so we could be we could see a wildly different level of production this year than we did last year. I totally agree. And I, I think the the volume could potentially go up as well. Obviously with health comes more snaps, but I was I was trying to find some value late in the draft. And so I was doing some research trying to figure out who the other edge was going to be opposite Greenard. And I was like, oh choosing I, between four I can or tell five you. guys. Oh yeah, who do you think it's going to be? Are you talking about the Texans? Yeah. It's Ogbonia Okorongwo. That's who I landed on too, but I also was like, it's probably going to be a rotation between him and the two former Bills and, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe somebody else. But I can tell you for sure, none of those guys are going to compete for snaps with Greenard as far as a talent basis goes. So the only time he's leaving the field is when the coaching staff wants to rotate him out to give him a rest. Mm -hmm. He is not going to be outplayed. So that gives me plenty of optimism for his safety and his floor going into 2022. Christian Kirksey, the linebacker for the Texans, you guys, listed as a sleeper here. Now, in 2021, he had 93 total tackles, six tackles for loss, one interception, one fumble recovery, two quarterback hits, and eight pass breakups. He had a 50.3 defense grade on PFF, a 41.4 run defense grade, a 74.5 tackle grade, 63.1 pass rush grade, and a 61.9 coverage grade. Now, he had a 92% snap count in the 13 games that he played, for 12.6 points per game. So, 
We think we may have finally come full circle on Christian Kirksey in 2022, and it's essentially through the process of elimination. Kirksey scored reasonably well and also played over 90% of the team's linebacker snaps. Volume is king in fantasy, and Kirksey projects to get a decent amount as a full-time three-down backer. This is predominantly a value play due to where you can get him at this moment. He's being drafted around the likes of Cody Barton, Dre Greenlaw, and at times behind Kamu Gruger Hill. If that's the case in your draft, you should be taking all the Kirksey you can, and twice on Sundays, or in my case, six times in all six of your best ball drafts because I freaking love drafting this guy. So I think you're going to get startable weeks out of Christian Kirksey until he gets injured. But I think as soon as he gets injured, and Christian, I think Christian Harris is the, the guy to take over as the, the number one in that role. Uh, if Christian Harris takes over and shows well, I don't think Christian Kirksey gets that job back when he's not injured anymore. I think that's ultimately going to be his role. He's going to be a journeyman linebacker for this year, and he's going to be out as the starter before the year is up. Mm. I don't disagree there with you. I don't disagree at all. Kirksey, 29 years old. We just, how many years can we keep doing this? How many years can we keep hoping that Kirksey is going to turn it around and he's going to stay healthy and he's going to lead a defense? He had three double digit tackle games last year, which was okay. I just don't want to throw my dart at a guy like Christian Kirksey because I don't trust, I don't trust that defense enough some other guys that are being drafted alongside alongside of him i would rather have cody barton than have christian kirksey just because we saw what that wagner and the brooks role looked like in seattle last year it's possible they play even more snaps in 2022 dre greenlaw i get kind of fading him because al shair actually looked pretty good at times kirksey's just a guy that i just don't think there's a ton of upside with if he's free late in your draft sure go for kirksey i just He's just so uninspiring, you know? I don't know. Just doesn't, he doesn't keep me on the edge of my seat. Puts me to sleep. I'm the lazy boy. I think Kirksey is the type of, isn't the type of guy you go out and get in your draft. I think Kirksey is the guy you go out and trade for. Sure. The guy who's got a middling team and doesn't look at, look at Christian Kirksey as a long-term asset for his team. Mm -hmm. You go, you know, pay him pennies on the dollar and get him for whatever weeks he's going to start. And then when he's done, you you ditch him. Yeah, I think I think you use him as a, as a place a placeholder starter, just like he's going to be used in tech in Houston. Yep. Evan, what I, is your what are your thoughts about Kirksey? You think he's going to be the one you want over uh, Gruzier Hill for sure? Yeah, it's a great question. I haven't been making that decision because I've been drafting all three linebackers sometimes. Smart. I've been drafting Christian Kirksey <laughs> and Kamu Gruzier Hill and Christian Harris all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I will get back to you next year to determine whether or not that was an optimal strategy, but it does fall right into what I keep referencing, which is my my favorite thing to do with linebackers here in in these redraft leagues is is just take cheap guys late in drafts that could very well have a full three-down role available to them. And all three of those players that I just listed have that within their range of outcomes. Now, I was listening to the the bootleg football podcast, I believe it was, last week, and they were breaking down the Houston Texans. And it's their belief that Christian Kirksey is the, the only player that's built for that middle linebacker role, mm-hmm. whereas Kamu Grugia-Hill and Christian Harris and even Jalen Reeves-Maben 
are built a little differently and are more primed to be, you know, one of that the, the smaller kind of linebacker that's going to play the other position. And so it's possible that those three players kind of fight each other for snaps while still allowing Christian Kirksey to maintain that middle linebacker role given health. Now, they don't know that for sure. Nobody knows that for sure. That's why there is ambiguity in this situation. But like I keep saying, I believe that there is value in ambiguity, which is why I keep targeting these guys, even if they could suck, even if they could get injured. In best ball, you only get the good stuff. So I guess that's specifically where I'm referring to this. But we can move on. I think this is more than enough time that we've allocated to the Houston Texans. Drew, I am I'm interested to see what players you have listed here for your next NFC South team. Why don't you go ahead and lead us off with that? All right, so we'll move into the Carolina Panthers, and it's it's a much brighter group here than it was in Atlanta. But I'm going to start with probably my hottest take of the night, and I'm going to go with my overrated, overpriced player, and that's Brian Burns. Mm. For 2021, he had 50 total tackles, 13 tackles for a loss, 9 sacks, 18 QB hits, 2 forced fumbles, 4 pass breakups. Uh, he had a defender rating on PFF of 60.8. He had a pass rush rating of 73.1. He had a 98% snap count, 17 games played, and 12.04 points per game. Now, let me get this out of the way before y'all string me up by my toes. Burns is a very, very good edge rusher. Unfortunately, he's being billed as elite, whether it be in rankings, where I've seen him as high as DL3, even over guys like Nick Bosa, or it's reflected in his cost during trade negotiations. Don't be misled by his DL6 finish in 2020. That 2020 finish would have ranked him as DL12 after 17 weeks in 2021. I believe we've seen close to Burns' ceiling, which is still very, very good. He's still damn sure a DL1, but I think his 10 sacks in 2020 is going to end up being his career high, and I don't expect to see much fluctuation in his tackle numbers either. I don't mean this as a dig on Burns, but I think he's shown us what he's got as a player on a significant number of snaps, and it's pretty much exactly what we saw in 2020 and 2021. He had a very similar stat line both of those years. And even with the Son Reddick there and gone, it seemed like it didn't much affect his, his production. I like it. It's a very interesting way of phrasing this because I, I like that you gave the the clarification of not that he's necessarily going to be bad, he's just as good as he will be and this is about it for him and i i like that bob i'm curious what you think about this take is he gonna get to that miles garrett level probably not is he gonna get to the nick bosa level probably not 10 sacks a year if you can replicate that year in and year out it's almost to me kind of montez sweat ish you know a lot of people don't like montez sweat because he's not chase young you know chase young is supposed to be this transcendent out of osu 15 sack a year type of guy and he hasn't been that and um a lot of people don't like montez sweat but i'm telling you montez sweat is just solid production he might not get you a ton of tackles he might not have a 15 sack year but he's gonna have the ability to get 8 to 12 sacks where i see burns probably as well i don't think that burns is gonna be a tj watt i don't think that burns is gonna be a nick bosa but brian burns could be a Defensive end five to defensive end 10 for the next five years. We would presume maybe that Yeter Gross Matos gets a little better this year. Maybe Derek Brown helps out some. I know he's enormous, but he hasn't played very well so far. That defense is just kind of meddling, you know? Shaq Thompson is not anything special. Jeremy Chin, I think we'll talk about here in a little bit. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't mind the take. I don't mind the take. There's not a lot of people right now that are fading Brian Burns. And I don't know that you're necessarily saying to fade Brian Burns. I just don't, I think what you're saying is he's not a top three defensive lineman. I I think that's pretty close. I'm, I think I'm not willing to go out and spend what it costs to get Brian Burns on my team. I don't think it's worth what it costs. Let me ask I, you this one, Drew. So for 2022 Dynasty, you're making a trade. Would you rather have Brian Burns or Josh Allen? Oh, give me Josh Allen. I think Josh wow. Allen. Yeah, I think Josh Allen has the higher sack ceiling and tackle floor. I, I think what you say. He's a bigger risk, but I like I, I like Josh Allen more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with that too. I also like Josh Allen. He's the one that's getting a teammate next to him that could potentially add a, an instance of variance to increase his potential. Okay, last one, and then I'll let you talk. Brian Birds or Joey Bosa? I'll take this one first so you get some time to think. I would probably take Joey Bosa, not because of his long-term outlook, but because of his short-term outlook. I'm very excited for what to expect from Bosa with Khalil Mack across from him. Now, this is a very just off the dome, not researched take. I could, you know, change my mind tomorrow. But no, I, you I do said like it. it's Bosa. concrete. You can't change it. Don't tweet about it tomorrow. I'm going to get canceled for this in five years. <laughs> Drew, please, uh, please take this away, please. That's This is super close for me. I think uh, it depends on the state of my team. If I'm competing, I want Joey Bosa. I think he's got the higher upside in the short term. I think he... On a, on a week-to-week basis, I think he can win you weeks, whereas Brian Birds is just going to keep you from losing your week most weeks. Uh, but if I'm if I'm a weaker team and I think I'm a year or two away from competing, give me Brian Burns easily. I think he's got the better long-term upside. And he's think, younger. Yeah, he's going to... Joey Bosa's already shown that he's got health or durability issues, and I don't think he lasts in late into his 30s like a Cam Jordan has. Here's where I think this this Brian Burns take belongs. So me personally, I'm the kind of dynasty manager. I want to acquire accruable assets. I want to get a player who I believe has a very reasonable chance to be worth more than whatever it is I paid to acquire them. And I think all three of us are in agreement. Brian Burns is no longer an accruable asset. He has reached his ceiling as far as value goes. And while we don't necessarily project the value to go down, He isn't the kind of player that we believe will continue to ascend. And so, you know, maybe you would be better off investing less capital into a cheaper asset that could accrue in value to as high as, if not higher than, Brian Burns. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's a perfect way of putting it. Okay, let's move on to your next guy on the Carolina Panthers. Now, this guy, I... Almost falls into the same boat of being overpriced, but I think he's appropriately priced, but safeties are just too expensive for me. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go with stud, and I'm going to talk about Jeremy Chin. In 2021, he had 107 total tackles, his second year in a row, breaking 100 100 total tackles. He had six tackles for a loss, one interception, one sack, five QB hits, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, five pass breakups. He had a 70.1 defense rating. He had a 74.3 coverage rating. He was 62.5 in run defense, which is, you know, still better than it was his rookie year. Uh, He had a 99% snap count in 16 games played. He ended up with 11.63 points per game. I'll be the first to say that I thought Chin's stat line and ranking going into 2021 was inflated. He succeeded a lot because of volume in his rookie year, but he took a step forward as a player in 2021. Now the combination of talent and usage makes him one of the most appealing safety options, in my opinion, for Dynasty or Redraft. 
I've never seen, I've never been someone to pay up for top tier DBs and Chin is no exception. If I were to go up, go out and try and get him on my team, I'd likely send something like my 23rd, second and fourth and my DB two or three, depending on how good the two is and ask for Chin and their 23 third. If their roster isn't in the best shape, I think there's a good, good chance you get that deal done. And, but that's really the only way I'm trying to get Chin. Otherwise, I think if you're spending an early second, that's, that's too much for any safety, even Derwin James. I hear you. And, and this Carolina defense is tricky to break down in the strict lens of bust, breakout, sleeper, whatever, because there are very few guys that I believe are even supremely relevant. And so bringing up Jeremy Chin is important because there are instances where he is worth considering. Like if you have a team where you believe you are fully contending and you have the best odds to win the championship and you do not mind paying up to add a player that could put you over the top, Jeremy Chin's that player. There are very few defensive backs who I believe have as high of a floor or as high of a ceiling as he does. And while it is the most volatile position in all of fantasy, which is why the three of us agree we personally would almost never invest in Chin at cost. There is a time where it might be worth it. And the, what you just stated is pretty fair justification as to why that might be. Bob, what would you add to that? I'm going to read you a list of players. Jordan Poyer, Kevin Byard, Harrison Smith, Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker, Derwin James, Jaron Curse, Minka Fitzpatrick, Xavier Woods, Logan Ryan, Micah Hyde, Justin Simmons. All in big three scoring, outscored Jeremy Chin in 2021. And Drew just got done, done talking about Jeremy Chin saw the field on 99% of the snaps. There has been really no other linebacker of note outside of Shaq Thompson there in Carolina, except for my new boy, Corey Littleton. So, I don't know. Draft okay. Corey with uh, a little bit of uh, uh, trepidation. I think that's the right word to use. Uh, just don't draft Corey. But what <laughs> what... What I'm getting at is, you know, he probably wasn't even a safety one last year. I think that's probably like 13 or 14 range last year in RSO. And what is big three scoring is predominantly big play. Chen was just maddening last year. Not only did he start the year out slow, he also does have some games where he just disappears. Myself, Drew, and Evan talked a little bit beforehand. I let Drew know about a trade that I made this offseason. I've actually talked on the podcast about and the longer I've had time to sit on it, the better I have felt about it because I did draft Chin. So when you draft Chin and they kind of turn into that DB1 type of person when they are that overall possible safety two behind Derwin James, you're hesitant to move them because you're like, oh my gosh, what, what could I potentially be moving them for? But I moved Jeremy Chin for David Bell, the wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns, who in my opinion presumably will be a pretty favored target for Deshaun Watson and what maybe is appearing to be only a four or six game suspension, which is recent news as of, you know, here recently. And then I also acquired Vaughn Bell uh, via that trade. Also, I really like Vaughn Bell. I think that's kind of a pretty easy chin replacement in XFFL. I'll let y'all talk here in a minute, but Jeremy Chin scored 185 points in 2021. Vaughn Bell scored 175 I think it's a weird year right now for Jesse Bates. Is he holding out? What is Dax Hill going to look like? That's the type of deal that I don't mind making. If I can move an elite DB asset 
and get someone who is very comparable in Yvonne Bell and then add on a potential wide receiver two on the Cleveland Browns with Deshaun Watson. Oh my gosh, man, I'm I'm making that trade all day long. And essentially, I think what Drew is saying as well is that he would probably move Brian Burns for the same type of option. If you were to give Drew a Montez Sweat and a David Bell for Brian Burns, you potentially might do something like that. I don't know what your feelings are on David Bell. I'm completely smitten. But mm-hmm. um, you, you might have that type of rookie or second-year Rondell Moore that you really believe in that, uh, that could elevate your team in 2022. Absolutely. Actually, when I when you brought up the the Von Bell deal, honestly, I I love Von Bell. I think he's 85, 90% of what Jeremy Chin is. I've loved Von Bell since he was with the Saints. And I think his role is IDP value has only gone up since he got to Cincinnati. But I think there's also something to be said for difference in league scorings because, you know, that may be where Chin scores for you. But when I did this for, for you know, the type of leagues I'm in, Jeremy Chin is the, was the safety six last year behind only... Baker, Poyer, Bates, Malcolm Jenkins, and Justin Simmons. Nice. Whereas, but Von Bell was only you know four spots behind him. He scored or roughly nineteen points less on the season. So Von Bell is still very comparable in that scoring as well. But I, I that is I I was going into the stud description, you know, assuming with more tackle scoring because that's what he brings to the table. He breaks, you know, he's got hundred plus tackle ceiling floor. Mm-hmm. Honestly, at this point. And that's a lot for safety. But if you're in big play leagues, then you're going for almost, you know, Antoine Winfield, Jesse Bates type players, you know, the guys who have, who are going to get those pass breakups, who are going to get the interceptions. Yeah. They're just going to, they're going to rack up tackles. And that's what they're going to do. And they're going to do a great job at it, but that's going to limit their ceiling in big play leagues. And honestly, I'm finding the longer I play IDP, the less I hold on to these guys. Unless I have a Miles Garrett, unless I have a super elite talent or someone I'm just completely infatuated with seeing on my team, everyone's on the table. Everyone's on the chopping block because IDP from one year to the next, unless it's a Roquan Smith and you can go ahead and peg him for 180 tackles, it's just it's just hard, man. Replication in IDP is definitely difficult. That Jeremy Chin trade as well, trading him away for probably two very, you know, Highly targeted players by Deshaun Watson for David Bell and Von Bell and the defense. There you go. The Bell Bros. I appreciate you for laughing at that drill. I'm glad you got that. Let's let's move on to the Jacksonville Justa guys. Um, our first player is a bust, and we've got Trayvon Walker here. Now, in 2021, he had 33 total tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss. Six sacks, one fumble recovery. He was drafted with the first overall pick in the entire draft. Now, Walker is an athletic specimen, and it was the raw athleticism that drew the Jags to him. However, the more I watch of him, the more I can't help but compare him to another raw, athletically gifted player who was overdrafted, Cleland Farrell. Walker's best comparable on player profile is Ziggy Ansa. I don't remember him. Oh, oh I don't even know how to say his name. We don't talk bad about Ziggy Ansa. Ziggy Ansa's Ziggy Ansa would have been good if he went to a good team. He was a victim I feel like of we bad could say coaching. That about a lot of guys. He was a victim. Well, that's fair. But I, mean, I could have been in the NFL if I went. To I would have been good if I went to a good <laughs> I would, team. I would. I, I thought Ziggy was going to be great though. So I, I would have. Um... I would have backed up Tom Brady so good. So Bob, why don't you go ahead and take over here? What are your thoughts here on this guy? 
disagree with the bus take from Trayvon Walker. I love his metrics. Four, five, one, forty. 99th speed score, 90th agility score, 97th arm length. I'll tell you the two reasons I like Walker. His draft capital in rookie drafts. And I love the project type player classification that people are giving him. Um, saying that Aiden Hutchinson, Thibodeau are more like coming in day one type players. What about the Jacksonville Jaguars? Is it a project right now? You know, you've got... The the suburban Meyer led twenty twenty one Jaguars, which was, you know, the crappiest show on turf. Or we need to come up with some like cool saying for them. But that whole team is a project, you know. But Trayvon right. Walker, man, he's being drafted behind the likes of Aiden Hutchinson, who is like being drafted around one oh eight. Came on Thibodeau early to mid second. Uh George Karloftis, late second. Trayvon Walker is a mid-third round rookie draft pick in what is a horrible offensive draft outside of really the second round, in my opinion. I like Trayvon Walker. I think he's getting a bad rap. He was a number one overall pick. I get that there's a lot on his shoulders because of that, but I don't really care about that as much. I care more about what does it cost to acquire him now. I don't think it costs that much because there's a lot of people that are, you know, kind of crapping on him. So I'll take Walker. If y'all want to get rid of him, send him my way. I'm I'm a little closer to your stance on this, Bob, than Evan. I do not think Walker's going to be a bust. I think, you know, comparing every athletic raw prospect to every other athletic raw prospect is, I mean, yeah, it's it shows what they can be, but the point is they're raw. It's a bigger gamble, so there's going to be less, you know, it. Opportunity, not opportunities, but there's going to be less examples of them hitting. But when they do hit, you get guys like Von Miller. I mean, Von Miller was, you know, drafted just as highly, but didn't get the same flack for being drafted as highly. Walker is, I, I think I'm with Bob on that. I'm in because he's cheap. I'm definitely taking him over Carl uh, Loftus. I think I'm not overly excited about Carl Loftus. I think he's, he's, Solid value. I think he's he's a bigger gamble. I mm-hmm. think he's 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 the same type of raw prospect. There's a little more to go on, but I think Walker is his upside is tremendous. If he hits, mm. he's a DL one. That's the point. You can't. You, there's no one else you're getting in the third round that if they hit, they're a top 10, 12 player at their position. I don't you think there's what? anyone like that in this draft. You know what this kind of reminds me of a little bit? It reminds me a little bit about Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons was pretty highly drafted in the NFL draft, but failed quite a bit. Character concerns. I know he had the legal issue that was going on, but the dude was athletic coming out of college. And this this is kind of similar to Trayvon Walker in that, you know, the project archetype that that he's being pegged as is causing him to fall a lot in drafts. I agree. Is he going to be elite in the NFL based off of the number one overall pick? I don't know. That's for the NFL scouts to determine. But as far as his ADP and IDP, which is what we are here talking about tonight, I'm 100% fine with Trayvon Walker. Let's talk about somebody else who I really like. Evan, tell me about the best Josh Allen in the NFL. Certainly. Josh Allen, the (laughs) defensive end for the Jacksonville Jaguars, had 71 tackles. 12 tackles for loss, one interception, 
uh, seven and a half sacks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and 14 quarterback hits last season. Now, he had a PFF grade of 78.5. He had a run defense grade of 69.3, tackle grade of 62.3, pass rush grade of 71.1, and a coverage grade of 81.8. And that was on 73% of snaps in 16 games played for a total of 13.4 points per game. Now, if you've rostered Allen since his rookie year, you've been a very happy IDP player two out of the three seasons. But what if we said, like Michelangelo, early in 1508, he's barely touched the ceiling yet. In 2022, Allen outscored his stellar rookie season points of 12.9 points per game by nearly a whole half of a point a game. And he recorded three less sacks than 2019 for only 7.5 on the year in 2022. In Allen's year, clearing double-digit sacks comfortably and cementing his spot amongst the elite edge rushers in the league, health prevailing, of course. So, Bob, why do you believe that this Josh Allen is the superior Josh Allen? Because he's awesome. I mean, what's not to like <laughs> about the guy? Am I right? Solid argument. Intercepted, he intercept the other Josh Allen last year, or strip sack. I can't remember exactly what he did. Um, love Josh Allen, man. Look at the metrics. Not only did he get seven and a half sacks last year, which isn't, you know, isn't 15, but he did have 71 total tackles from the edge position, 12 tackles for loss. He did have an INT, a couple forced fumbles, fumble recovery, 14 QB hits. He's an all around player. And the other reason that I really like him, well, two things. He uh, He's going into a contract year. They picked up his, his fifth-year option. I really love when a player is going into a contract year. But the other thing that's opposite to Brian Burns is they gave him some help. They gave him foyer. Say whatever you want to about foyer, but he's probably better than Miles Jack and Joe Schobert, who they rolled out last year. Miles um, Jack's good. Easy, Drew. They also have <laughs> the likes of Devin Lloyd, who they took in the draft. One of Josh's favorite, Chad Moomins, who might see the field a little bit this year. I think that Josh Allen could really be a top five defensive end in not only tackle-heavy leagues, but also big play leagues because we can really see him as an all-around type defensive lineman. I'd have to agree with you. I I do think we've kind of seen as good as he's going to do on the tackle numbers. He didn't have a linebacker supporting class last year outside of Miles Jack, whether you guys like him or not. I thought he was all right. He used mm-hmm. to be good, but he was probably asked to do a lot more as a run defender than he will be with Lloyd and with Foye in town. But I think it's going to allow him to pin his ears back and rush the pass for more and I mean, show what he can do. And he, we, we've seen what he can do. He's a fantastic edge rusher. I think he's better than Brian Burns as, as, as a straight up edge rusher. I, I would, when you asked earlier if I would take Josh Allen or Brian Burns, I would have taken Josh Allen or Brian Burns every year of his career up to this point. I've um, been a huge fan of Josh Allen, I think. And, but I still don't think he's the better Josh Allen. Josh, offensive Josh Allen is very easy. Good. Nah, he's all right. He's all right. But I know yeah. we have to, to favor the, the defensive players because nobody else will do it if we don't. But mm-hmm. I absolutely think Josh Allen could be a, a league winner for you. Evan, interested to hear your take here on Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen. I like the the strategy that the Jaguars are taking. They know they're not going to win this year, so they have one certified stud in Josh Allen. They have another guy who they want to have an opportunity to develop. 
Now, I think they should have taken Aiden Hutchinson, but mm. they didn't take Aiden Hutchinson. So these are the cards we're dealt. Now, how do I feel about it? I would love to see them develop him well. I think that's going to be a, a coaching decision more than anything else because you need to be able to develop a player in order for him to develop. But I don't know how good their coaches are. I haven't really done a deep dive on their defensive line coaches, so I couldn't tell you. But I do believe that it is nice as a certified stud like Josh Allen. It is nice having a guy on the other end that at least commands attention. He may or may not be great, but he will certainly be powerful and explosive and attention demanding. So, Drew, why don't you go and take us to your second to last team and then we'll be able to close this thing down in a bit. Absolutely. Now, this is my favorite part of the show. It's not time we get to talk about my New Orleans Saints. Oh, yeah. Uh, this was actually hard for me because a lot of the established talent is either on their way out the door they or they left this year with Malcolm Jenkins. You know, Cameron Jordan has been one of my favorite edge rushers for years and years. He's actually my favorite player in the league in general. But, you know, his it's clearly coming to an end. You know, he took a step back this year finally. Demario Davis hasn't yet, but it's probably coming. So it, 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 you really had to to narrow down your options, and you get my first stud, Marcus Davenport, who in 2021 in only 11 games had 39 total tackles, nine tackles for a loss, nine sacks, 16 QB hits, three forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. He had an 88.8 defensive rating, 73.0 Run defense, run defense rating and an 82.0 pass rush rating. He's at a 64% snap count and 15.1 points per game. But it's been a long time coming, but Davenport finally put himself on the map last year. He's also firmly put himself in that category where you probably shouldn't expect him to play all 17 games. <laughs> but I'm becoming more interested in players like Davenport and Danelle Hunter, like I mentioned earlier, whose value is somewhat suppressed because of the injury-prone concerns started to not care as much if I'll get a full season out of a player as long as he's a bona fide starter. But he is a bona fide starter when he's on the field. Davenport was a DL1 in points per game last year. He had three weeks under 10 points, one right around 10 points. But in his other six games, he gave you 17, 22, 22, 30, 17, and 18. Mm. The scoring I'm referencing is just going to be slightly different to y'all's. He scores 14.6 points per game in my scoring compared to 15.1 in y'all's. But that's, that's fairly close. But Davenport is the, the he's the other guy they've they've shown he they're going to give him the snaps when he's healthy and he's when he plays he's not going to play you know limp so mm -hmm. I, he's one of those guys that you know even if he's injured i want him because when he plays he's going to be a dl1 yeah bob very important question for you in regards to marcus davenport mm -hmm. have you gotten over the dad bod that was more Adam. Adam's got a heavier influence on the gram. So, yes, for me, I've moved past the dad bod. It's uh, it, it's not influencing my drafting of uh, Marcus Davenport anymore. That is well, apparently the dad strength uh came in clutch this year. So it sure did, especially late in the season. I don't know about those first five or six weeks where he was at. He was he was taking care of kids. Probably, let's be honest, that's what he was <laughs> doing. But no, I like that. If Davenport is your DL three you feel great if he's your dl2 you better have a backup plan just for when he gets hurt i think you're spot on drew he's talented but prepare for he's gonna miss some games but if he's starting put him in your lineup 
I am a fan of Marcus Davenport. I think he's he's good. I I also love Cam Jordan. Just putting it out there, he's an amazing character. Yeah. I was unwillingly added to a group chat of Saints fans two years ago, and for whatever reason, I'm still in there. And I gotta say, it's a good time. So I've been adopted as an honorary Saints fan. Cam Jordan's a great guy. I'm excited for him. And he's oh, he, you have to assume he's going into the media afterwards, Absolutely. right? He's got to be a broadcaster. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Just just to know that he's never going to go away makes me happy because he's been one of my favorites for years. I've got his Ma- signed jersey and everything. It's Manning cast with uh, with Cam Jordan. Oh, love that. in Ooh. a heartbeat. Okay, here we go. I've got a – it's not necessarily a water bet. Who has more successful years as – a personality on football television after they retire tom brady or cam jordan i think cam jordan i think tom brady's gonna have the same problem that drew Brees did i think he's gonna get out there and he's gonna be awkward and uncomfortable and not do a good job and he's gonna end up going and doing something else i don't know though we did watch tom brady after he beat drew Brees in the playoffs throw some touchdowns to drew Brees' kids in the end zone so I'm not putting anything past TB12. I'll take uh, I'll take Brady on this one. Very interesting. I believe you have a second player on the Saints you're going to talk about. Is that correct? I do, and it's pretty much the only other one that's not old and yes. crumbling into dust that I actually believe in. And he's my breakout. And it's Pete Warner. Uh, hmm. his, 21, 20, his 2021 stats hit 62 total tackles, four tackles for a loss, and a QB hit on a 40% snap count. In 15 games played, he had five. 5.08 points per game, but he had a 79.9 defense rating, a 91.0 run defense rating, and a 61.8 in coverage, which isn't great, but as a rookie, it's still, you know, it's passing. Sure. But this is the only project player on the Saints defense I had any belief in. But boy, do I believe in him. Warner quietly put up a very solid showing his rookie year, despite being the third linebacker on the depth chart behind the established vet. Uh, Quan Alexander. Warner got in a respectable 394 snaps due to rotations and injuries. But with Quan out of town, this opens up a ton of snaps for Warner. And he's sure to be deployed in a multiple, multitude of ways. He was deployed as on the weak side and as the mic throughout the season. He's uh, he's shown he can do a lot. And Dennis Allen has shown he trusts Warner in coverage even as a rookie, which will keep him on the field. Yeah, uh, Warner's ceilings can be slightly capped in the short term with Demario Davis still there. He just signed an extension, or a, I don't know. The contracts these days have gotten so confusing. I don't even understand what he signed. I looked at it on over the cap, and I'm like, that means something. I'm he <laughs> signed some of the money got rerouted, and some of it got converted for bonus. And I'm so you're going to be with the team for some number of years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Very useless information, but I think he's going to be with the team until he gets replaced. I States have shown themselves to be pretty, you know, dedicated to their veterans, their long-term guys. And I think DeMario Davis and Jordan Cameron are going to be got Jordan Cameron. Jesus. I just went back to Brown's tight ends mm-hmm. circa 2015, 2014, uh, Cameron Jordan. I think they're going to let him retire with the team instead of, you know, Oh, we're not going to sign you to another contract and you're, we're going to make you go sign with somebody else. I think those are going to be, they're going to ride out the sunset with the saints. But I think Warner replaces DeMario Davis as the number one linebacker before he retires. Mm-hmm. I think he's shown enough to show he's the the team believes in him, which thank God because they have done such a bad job at projecting defensive or, or project defense players for the last couple of years. I, I you know 
look at Zach Bond. I mean, what was it? What happened there? He was a third round pick, and then he got no snaps ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Peyton Turner. I don't. I don't know that that's ever going to be a thing either. I'm not entirely excited about that. Mm-hmm. Burned a first round pick there, but Warner, on the other hand, I think actually has a chance to hit, and I'm pretty excited about it if he does. I will say I do always confuse Peyton Turner and Pete Warner's name. I'm always, I have to go to the actual like data to be like, all right, which one am I actually talking about here? <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I think when he, he saw heavy snaps, Warner was definitely the guy to, uh, the guy to grab. I think he's the next, the next up there. One last thought from me on Pete Warner. I, I agree. He He's a little limited upside wise for as long as, Demario Davis is ahead of him in snaps. He should still see a decent amount of snaps, which will allow him to have spike weeks here and there. So I'm okay with taking him in best ball redraft leagues. Um, He was surprisingly good for a rookie linebacker. I don't know if we touched on that comparing him to any of the other rookie linebackers this season. I, 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 he might have been the best PFF wise. He might've been the best. I don't know for sure. And obviously PFF is not the gospel, but it is pretty darn close. So I, some people will be very upset by that statement. I do like Pete Werner a lot. I have one last Saints question. I think it might be the most important question we ask on the podcast tonight. Is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson the most talented trash talker in the league? No, I think Cameron Jordan's a better trash talker than he is. If he knows who he's targeting, because he gets at them Falcons good. (laughs) <laughs> but Gardner Johnson, can you, Gardner Johnson will get you suspended. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like Chauncey Gardner Johnson, I don't know what he told almost that Bears one games player, for the team single handedly. That that Bears game, he pretty much won for us. Um, yeah, I, I I can only imagine what he said that that got that going. But he's it's it's fun to watch the defense go. Oh yeah, I, I love Alrighty. Gardner. One more team for each of us. And listeners, I thank you guys for sticking around. This is going to be a long one, but it's long because it's so chock full of important information. Like, is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson the greatest trash talker in the league? Our next team is the Indianapolis Colts. So our first player here is a breakout, and it is Quiddy Pay. I know we all love Quiddy Pay. I know Josh loves Quiddy Pay. Josh, this one's for you, buddy. His 2021 stats, he had 32 total tackles, three tackles for loss, four sacks, one forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, and 10 quarterback hits. In 2021, his PFF defensive grade was a 69.6. Run defense grade was a 55.4. Tackle grade was a 69.5. Pass rush grade was a 71.3. And his coverage grade was a 62.5. Now, he played 66% of the snaps in 15 games, and he had a 6.9 points per game. This is a rather sizable gap between what Pay has done so far and the stats you'd expect to see from a breakout edge player. But don't let that dissuade you. The markers are there if you look for them. A strong pass rush grade from PFF, a decent level of pressures generated, and a strong defense around him. With Buckner and Ngakwe more than capable pass rushers in their own rights, Pay won't be the only player on the O-line we need to worry about. Dominant interior players like Buckner are a massive boon for edge rushers because they collapse the middle of the pocket and push the quarterback to the outsides. All this translates to the expectation of Pay putting up a season of around 12 to 13.5 points per game in 2022. 
Drew, I'm going to shoot it to you this time first because I can tell you're very excited about Quiddy Pay. Why are you so excited about Quiddy Pay? I he's he he's, he reminds me a lot of an Aiden Hutchinson light, not exactly in their skill set, but in what they offer. They seem to me be to be the more steady producers that I feel like I can rely on. They may not have the same level of upside. You know, no one's expecting Aiden Hutchinson to come out and supplant Miles Garrett, but they're expecting him to be a DL one or maybe high end DL two. Some people have different expectations, but I think Quiddy Pay is going to be that guy who will be a career DL two and he's going to do it every year. But I don't know that he has a whole lot higher ceiling than that. But I think it, he, he's got he's got a lot higher ceiling than what he showed last year. If he really develops, though, who knows? All gloves are off because. I wasn't overly impressed. I I like I like to pay a lot as a prospect, um, and then I was not as excited with what I saw from him in Indianapolis. But maybe I'm being overly critical of a rookie who still needs to adjust and develop and and find his place in the NFL. So either he needs to develop in this next year and ascend to that number one spot, or it's probably time to move on because I, and that, that may be reactionary because he is still a, a second year player and you know, Brian Burns didn't have a good rookie year. Brian Burns was met his rookie year. So it, it's, I don't know why I'm hemming and hawing on pay now as much as I am considering I haven't this entire off season. I've been pretty, pretty in on pay yeah that's a i feel like that's kind of how i feel about pay i don't know if i'm jumping in and i don't know if i'm you know if i've got one foot out right now i have both feet in with owe i have both feet in with ojalari i have both feet in with joe tryon shoyinka honestly but pay is the one that just kind of is hmm you know i i just can't quite determine how i really feel about him he's fine He's fine. Quiddy Pay is fine. <laughs> Sorry, that's super boring, but that's just yeah. my take on Pay as well. I think the truth here is we haven't seen enough from him to have a more sturdy take. Our mm -hmm. confidence level is relatively low in any kind of take. We've seen some from him, but we haven't seen enough from him to have a sturdy conclusion in either direction. So we're excited for what he could be this upcoming season because the uncertainty of his range of outcomes leaves room for optimism. Yep. We do have one more player on the Colts who has been more of a recent sleeper because of the recent retirement of Kari Willis. And that Rip. player is Nick cross rip indeed. Now in 2021, Nick cross had 66 total tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, one forced fumble three interceptions, and two pass breakups. He was drafted 96th overall, and that was in the third round. He was the eighth safety taken. Now, Nick Cross is an absolute missile at safety. He's a 99th percentile speed score athlete. But the main question with him is, will he win the job now that Kari Willis has retired? And at six feet, 212 pounds, he can definitely play in the box and provide solid tackle presence. He also proved in his junior year at Maryland he can provide turnovers, something this defense has prided itself on in the past. 
Rodney McLeod is a jag there opposite Julian Blackman. So the role is primed for the taking. It's just a question if can cross do it. Bob, can cross do it? I would like to think so. The size, the speed tells you yes. But man, Kari Willis was fun. And nobody expected that to hit in June of, uh, you know, June's mini camp. Kari Willis is retiring to be a missionary. Love Adams joke that you've got one guy who's retiring to be a missionary and the guy who's taking his job's name is Cross. You know, what a great joke. You know, at least, it's, at least it's 7 out of 10. I don't know, man. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know everything about Nick Cross. He does seem fun. If you want to take a dart on him, sure, go for it. I don't really want to rely on a guy like this because there is some skepticism with him. But I could see how the athletics would push you to maybe think that it might pan out for him. That's as in-depth as I can get. I love Nick Cross for the same reasons I loved Kari Willis, and it is that position in the Colts' defense, that strong safety position that's going to get, I mean, the, the free safety is single high, almost one of the highest percentages in the league, if I'm not mistaken. So that strong safety is going to be in the box a lot. Nick Cross, if, ha- if he has any juice, is going to turn something into this, and I would be, I mean, I don't know who I would even have in contention for rookie uh, safeties to outscore him outside of Kyle Hamilton. I feel like, you know, he's got, he, he's got that safe. Jaquan Brisker, I think is the only other name. My there guy. We there we go. I, I had it in my head earlier and yes. it, it faded away and I kept coming back to Cine and I'm like, I don't, I know he's, I'm not, I'm not super excited about him, but I like Brisker. I, uh, but I think Cross and Brisker are going to be duking it out for that safety two slot between the rookies in terms of overall scoring at the end of the season. Maybe not in terms of how they rank because people may see Cine's future and overrank him because he didn't get a bunch of snaps. And, you know, it's all imaginary at that point. But I think Cross has a real good chance to produce given his position. Um, I, I don't care that he was the eighth safety taken. How many free safeties were taken before him? Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested in the guys that who did they pick who who got picked over him that can do what he does, and it's pretty much Kyle Hamilton and I mean even Jaquan Brisker isn't quite the the strong safety that uh, Nick crosses. Brisker's a little more versatile, sure. Um, but I like Cross. I think that's a, that's a great sleeper pick. And as soon as I saw Willis retire, he was on he was on every single one of my waiver grabs. I, I got him some places, missed him some others, but I think he's going to be worth having on your roster. I just can't get past the uh, mental image of Brisket and Cross duking it out. And on top of that, how ironic that both of those safeties should be playing, or rather, could be playing the same role, yeah. because the the Bears' new head coach is the former Colts defensive coordinator, so. That's that's why mm. I love both of these players. Now, obviously, refer to ADP when or when not drafting Nick Cross, but if he's going in the round where you know you're seeing some other strong safety types that aren't quite as enjoyable to have on your team, Nick Cross's upside certainly makes it worth it. Dude, because- and I, honestly, we're giving people too much credit. There might be a lot of people out there that don't know Kari Willis retired. Yeah, that's fair. If you're listening to this podcast, congratulations. You are already ahead of those people. All right, let's finish this out. Dream. And it's with the NFC staff players from the 2020 champs, the Bucks. 
Yes, that's right. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, as much as I think you think I wouldn't like him, I actually I, I feel like I like a lot of players on the Bucks. Let's move into my first guy, who is going to be the stud of the Tampa Bay defense, and that's going to be Shaq Barrett. Twenty twenty one is it was not his best year, and it was still a great year. He had fifty one total tackles, nine tackles for a loss, ten sacks, twenty two QB hits, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, one interception, four pass breakups. I mean, there were not many edge rushers that finished better in the league than he did in terms of PFF grades. He had an 81.0 defense grade, 74.3 run defense, 77.1 pass rush, and 84.2 coverage rating. He had a 76% snap count, 15 games played, and 14.97 points per game. Shaq Barrett has been a stud every year he's been in Tampa Bay, but he's been slept on because he gets the linebacker designation with, you know, MFL and RSO and I, I honestly don't even know what other services offer IDP at this point. I, I'm so disconnected from those. But with the rise of true position and dual designation on Sleeper, he really gets to shine. A lot is going to be asked of Barrett with JPP gone. He's now the only established edge in Tampa and he'll likely see an increase in snaps because of it. You know, not likely not to the extent that the 2020 uh, snaps were at where he had, to, you know, he took 1,064 snaps at edge, which is insane. But I wouldn't be as, you know surprised to see him with 900-plus snaps if he stays healthy. He puts up an insane amount of pressures, and he's already shown he can get home in 2019 with his 20 sacks. I'm not saying expect 20 sacks again, but I am saying he's one of the few players in the league that are at even capable of it. Barrett is a guy who I think his value rarely lines up with his production. And honestly, after going through everything to prep for the show with y'all, I'm going to be sending some offers out for Barrett when we get done. <laughs> yeah, I think my favorite thing about Barrett is his cost because it seems to me that he is being underrated by the market. Bob, do you think so? Um, we had a podcast that me and Adam were on a couple weeks ago, and uh, we did a live draft, and Shaq Barrett was taken a lot higher than I kind of thought of his name, I guess. Not necessarily that he didn't belong there, but I guess sometimes I associate him with being 30 years old, getting a little bit older. Barrett had sacks in eight of his 17 games played last year, uh, which is pretty solid. I think maybe in Dynasty, Shaq Barrett for me is a guy I'm probably looking to sell just because the regression years could come. But I also don't mind the take to where if you just feel like Riding with Baird at this point, especially now with JPP gone and it being him and Joe Tryon, I don't hate that either. Let's talk about somebody actually worth rostering. Yeah, Joe Tryon, Shrinika. Drew, okay. let's put a bowl on it. All right. This one is, was my toughest one. This is my gamble breakout because I'm not sure. But his 2021 stats, he had 29 total tackles, five tackles for a loss, four sacks, 10 QB hits, and three pass breaks up. Break, Three pass breakups on a 49% snap count in 17 games played. But he only rated out at a 50.9 defense rating. Uh, his run defense was a 47.5. His pass rush wasn't much better at 57.5. He only scored 5.89 points per game, but that was a lot of being stuck behind JPP and Shaq Barrett, you know, two firmly entrenched veterans. But I'm glad they got to save this one for last because this feels like my most questionable pick. Uh, Joe Tryon, Shoyanka. It, you know, has not impressed me as a player, but he is in a fantastic situation to establish himself in a starting room. He's the next man up to replace JPP. He will likely see a starter share of snaps, 
But what he does with them is in question is another question. The biggest factor in his favor for further development is having Todd Bowles as his head coach. He's one of the best defensive minds in the game right now, in my opinion. And I think if there's a starter hiding in there, Bowles will drag it out. On the negative side, he graded out poorly on PFF in 2021, and he had a 27 miss or 27% missed tackle rate, which you know, I know he's an edge and missed tackles are not the biggest deal, but it makes it hard to keep a player on the team when you can't trust them to, to make a tackle. Um, he's going to have to take a big step forward if he wants to prove he's fantasy viable, but there's a chance. Yeah, I like JTS. I've been a fan of him since before the draft. I'm hoping that he gets increased volume and with increased volume because increased uh, just, you know, improvement. I don't really have a super refined take here. I just have the pretty average one, but I'm sure Bob has something to add here. No, nothing nothing uh, elaborate. I do like Joe Tryon. I liked him coming out of the 2021 draft. I like his draft capital. JPP is now out of the way alongside Shaq Barrett, along with uh, Denon White, who needs to really turn it around this year, uh, has had some bad PFF years uh, in a row, but he's still producing, so he should be fine. Uh, Levante David's still there. He's going to have help. Todd Bowles, you're exactly right, Drew. I do like Joe Tryon. I, I like his metrics, but I also like his opportunity. I'm all on board with Tryon. I don't know if that's smart. This might be one of the number takes. You might look like a fool at the end of 2022. Uh, but hey, I'm here for it. It ain't the first time I've looked like a fool, right, Evan? <laughs> no, you've never looked like a fool before. I don't know what you're talking about. That's a good man. Good man, Evan. I will say, you. though, you, you bring up Devin White. I think Devin White's got an interesting career arc in front of him. I think as long as Levante David is playing, Devin White is going to continue to be a linebacker one. I think as soon as Levante David retires, we're going to see shit hit the fan. Mm -hmm. I think Levante David is covering, is masking so many of his weaknesses as a linebacker, and it's going to make, he's going to be hard exposed once that time comes. So enjoy it while you've got him. Don't count on him for the whole rest of his career. So what he's saying is after Levante David, we're going to be saying, Devin White, that looks like Devin Bush. This is going to be a three-hour podcast, you guys. Can't wait to tell my children about this. I enjoyed chatting with you guys beforehand. We, If we would have pressed the record button the instant we opened up the chat room, it probably would have been another hour or so because we just get bantering about stuff. Before I close the thing out, Drew, one more time for the listeners. Why don't you go ahead and, and shout out the things that need to be shouted out? At the moment, I don't have a whole lot to shout out other than my Twitter handle. You can find me at Drew Dotson NFL. But at the moment, I'm just enjoying semi-retirement in my real life and in my fantasy life and just enjoying the Scott Fishbowl. I'm having fun with that. I love it. Good luck there. That is going to be very challenging. All right, I'm going to close this one off. You can find me on Twitter at IDP Evan. Catch the new handle and the rebrand coming soon. I'll give you guys more info on that. I don't need to plug it. But you guys, thanks for sticking around with us. Buckle up for the next episode. And IDP's out.